This episode of the Link Up Podcast is brought to you by Moody & Co. CBD is everywhere these days, from supplement and nutrition stores to gas station displays. With so many options, how can anyone make sense of what to buy, how to properly dose, or trust in the quality and purity of the products? Luckily, our friends at Moody & Co. have all your bases covered. Moody & Co.'s products started their life, hand-grown, and cultivated following strict organic growing practices in the fertile soil of the West Tennessee Delta. Each hemp plant was hand-planted on their family-operated farm, fed only high-quality organic nutrients, and finished their life free of any toxic pesticides and sprays. Moody & Co.'s world-class extraction and manufacturing partners are FDA-grade and CGMP compliant, so you can be sure each and every product is of the highest quality. What about potency and purity? Each of Moody & Co.'s products is third-party, lab-tested before and after the manufacturing process, and the tests are available for you right on their website. Their website is www.moodyand.co. I'll spell that for you. That's www.moodeand.co. How about that for transparency? Dosing instructions are on each bottle and their tinctures feature graduated droppers so you can be sure you are taking exactly what you need. With all the uncertainty about what goes into the products that go into you, you can rest easy with Moody & Co. CBD. Available at www.moodyand.co or on the shelf in Memphis and Oxford, Mississippi locations of Nail Bar & Co. Once again, I'll spell that website for you. It's www.moodeand.co. And now to our episode. Okay, so I watched that documentary you sent me earlier, um, and I watched it, but I didn't understand shit in it. Okay. Like, you know, it was just stuff I've never heard before, but I did look into more of that... um, Naked short selling. Naked short selling. Yes. Tell us what the fuck that is, because I was blown away when I was Googling that shit. Okay, so short selling is when these big banks or hedge funds or whoever, when they borrow shares of stock and sell them into the market. That's short selling. And they have a requirement at some point to return those shares because they borrowed them. It's a loan. Naked short selling is not even borrowing the shares in the first place, just selling them into the market. But when you short sell, you get like a negative balance in your account. So when you go buy stock, you know, you buy 10 and you've got a 10 right there in the quantity or whatever in your brokerage account. When you short sell, you have negative 10 in your account. And to get your position closed and cash that money out, uh, you well, you have to give the money back when you're short selling because you get the money right away when you sell the shares. Uh, but when they're naked short selling, uh, they don't find a locate for these shares. And a real easy way to explain this is like, let's say I have a bicycle and I sell you my bicycle for 20 bucks, mm -hmm. okay? But you're going to come get my bicycle next Thursday. Between now and next Thursday, I'm like, mm, I'm also going to sell you my bicycle for 20 bucks. 
And then I sell him my bicycle for 20 bucks. Uh. Right. Then I come to you and I say, Hey man, I can't sell you the bicycle anymore. Right. I, I can't give you 20 bucks back either, but I, I got 15 left. And you're just like, okay, there's 15 bucks left. Right. So you're out five bucks and you're pissed off about it, but I still have the bicycle and I do the same thing to you and the same thing to you. So I'm selling something that I don't actually have that I am able to like, it's why it's called synthetic sharing is because it's not real. It's like the, the case with the stocks and things like that is if I have 100 shares and I sell in theory, the 100 shares to you, I'm not supposed to be able to sell those anymore. Okay. But I don't believe that you're going to cash out on those shares. So I'm making a gamble that you're never going to actually ask me for the real thing. So in theory, it's all just made up. It's just this IOU of, hey, I'm not selling you an actual share. I'm selling you an idea of these hundred that I actually have. But then I go to you and I do it again. And I go to you and I do it again. So I should really have 300 shares that I've sold. But I only actually had the 100. So if all of you guys come and cash out and, and actually want your shares at the same time, then I'm screwed because I don't really have 300 shares. The problem is for you guys, when you sell something short, I'm betting against that stock that I'm thinking it's going to go down. And whether it be from some kind of way that I'm going to put out a news article of some kind of like negative influential type situation that makes that stock go down. So I sold all of these 100 shares to you at $10 a piece. I'm banking that that price is going to drop down to say $5 a piece. You're going to come back to me and say, I don't want these shares anymore. Even though you really got nothing, it was just this IOU or idea. And I'm going to say, okay, I'll buy those shares back from you. So you give me the theoretical shares back. Plus I keep the $5 that you're out. You gave me 10, I give you five back because that's what it's worth now. So I keep the $5 on every share that I sold to you and every share that I sold to you and every share that I sold to you. The fact that I did that 300 times when I really should have only been able to do it 100 times is what synthetic selling is. And it's illegal to do. But the problem happens is like, what if it goes the other way? What if I sell you 100, I sell you 100, I sell you 100. It started at $10. I wanted it to go down, but now all of a sudden it's gone up and now you're ready to cash it out for real because you're like, oh, wow, I'm not Mm -hmm. instead of losing all your money and you're just trying to bail out of these hundred shares that you supposedly got from me. Now it's worth twenty dollars. It's worth fifty dollars. It's worth five hundred dollars. Like in the case of GameStop, it shot all the way up to I think at one point it was like five hundred twenty or something. Five thirteen. So Damn. now all of a sudden everybody at the same time is like, oh, wow, I'm about to sell this because I'm going to make, you know, $500 off each share of this I've got. Well, the problem is, is now I only actually have 100, but I've sold 300. How am I supposed to give 300 shares out that I don't have? Well, let's just shut off the buy button and figure this out. Yeah. Right? And so that's what happened. Yeah. So that's what synthetic sharing is selling is. Naked short selling is... When you're selling something short, basically you're betting on the idea that the price is going to go down and I'm going to make money off of the failure of a company, right? Synthetic short selling is whenever I'm doing that way over leveraged compared to the shares that I actually own. And you're not supposed to do that. 
But they, they frame it, the market makers will tell you, it's like, well, we have to do it to provide liquidity oh, God. to the market. Liquidity. And all that basically means is like we can come up with shares so that way if you want to buy some, I've got to be able to sell you some. That's their job as a market maker is to provide shares and for so, people to buy. And so they sell you these ideas of having shares, but no, nothing's ever getting like swapped around. Like we don't do paper shares anymore. So supply and demand doesn't really happen in a system like what we have now. So price discovery isn't true. Every price that you see on any any company that you look at right now, it's, it can be manipulated to be whatever it wants to be. How and do they so, do that? By selling these counterfeit shares into the market? Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's artificial dilution. They're diluting the value of those shares with these counterfeits, these synthetics out of nowhere. Yeah. So you just raise supply infinitesimally and then you, well, then demand isn't great because well, I can get them wherever I want to. doesn't matter what demand does. Yeah. When you can have infinite shares thrown into the market. So what are both of your backgrounds in this? None, really. I started trading in 2018 uh, with a Fidelity account. I had like 40 grand, 50 grand in it. And uh, I've never really done any kind of trading before. I know about business. Mm -hmm. I, I've got an MBA from the University of Memphis. I've been managing or uh, helping manage companies for 15 years now, directly small business. So uh, I know a lot about how the business part of it works, but I didn't know anything about any of the stock stuff until any of this came up on Reddit. Wow. Yeah. So you guys are self-taught. Like, just, yeah. Damn. By reading Reddit. Yeah, pretty I much. feel stupider just listening to y'all talk. And I'm not a smart guy, but Man, I feel even stupider now. If they're <clears throat> easy concepts to understand, they're intentionally made difficult with buzzwords and acronyms and all sorts of different shit to kind of throw you off. But once you can wrap your head around the idea of it, it's not that complicated. So how did you come across the Reddit? Uh, I was kind of depressed in a bad spot with my business and uh, was just surfing Reddit all day, every day. And then I saw this dude's post come up, uh, Keith Gill. I know him as deep fucking value. Uh, he's on Twitter as Roaring Kitty. And uh, I saw his post kept coming up and he was posting, you know, he had 50,000 shares of GameStop, I think, at the time. And then he started putting those videos out. I sent you that one video yeah. of him. And I was like, holy shit, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like, this is this is legit. I could just tell by looking at this guy that he knew what he was talking about. And then he'd go every week at first, every month in the very beginning. He was in it since 2019. But, you know, he would regularly post his uh, brokerage account, pictures of screenshots of his brokerage account. And you would see, especially in January, when I, st I first saw him on January 13th, and uh, every time he'd post it, you would see these crazy returns in his portfolio. Like he would, his account would swing millions of dollars up or down a day, every single Damn. day. Yeah. And he, he's not a rich guy. Mm -hmm. uh, when you watch his videos, you could see the house he lives in and everything. And when this all started, you know, he didn't have very, he, I think he started with uh, 40 grand or 50 grand and uh, turned it into 48 million. In less wow. than two years, but he didn't so cash good. it out. I don't think he cashed it out. So all that money that he's made, he's just just chilling in the market. Right. Some the, of it. Some okay. I think he's he had a bunch of calls, which are 
derivative contracts, uh, their options. So he had a bunch of options and he sold a lot of those and made a killing on those. He made several million on just the options. What makes a stock have an option? All stocks have options. Options. So derivatives are a separate part of the stock market. Stocks are one asset class. Derivatives are another asset class where the product derives its value from something else, like the price of a stock or with mortgage-backed securities, the value of a mortgage. Uh, so they make all these derivative products based off of other assets. And call options, put options, uh, those are derivative bets that the price of the stock is either going to go up or go down. And anybody can buy these. At first, I knew nothing about them. All you got to do is ask your broker to be able to buy them or sell them because you can sell them too. Uh, and they'll make you fill out a little form and rubber stamp it. Is, um, is Robinhood like legit? I mean, I know it's a real stocks you're buying and selling and crypto yeah. and stuff like that, but like, is, is it better to have like a fidelity account or I, I, what is it? I, 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 or something like that. I, I have a fidelity account and when this all started, uh, whole other part of the story. My wife actually had to go to the hospital. She was pregnant with our fourth son and she had a hematoma in the lining of skin that goes around the baby. And the hematoma actually grew to be so big. It was bigger than the baby. So she was on bed rest in the hospital for five months. Oh, I've got wow. three other kids, three other boys. So I had to stop going to work and start being Mr. Mom. Well, after I'd take the kids to school, I'd have all day with my one little two-year-old, but uh, he'd just sleep most of the time. So all I did was stay on my computer, read on Reddit, research GameStop. Uh, we, I asked the, the moderators on Reddit to start a Discord, and they did. And uh, within like two or three weeks, we had 18,000 people in this Discord group. And uh, we're all just talking about GameStop, sharing ideas on GameStop and all that. And... Uh, I forgot why I started oh, talking uh, about that. Uh, I asked you about which one is better. and That's right, Fidelity. Fidelity. Okay. Yeah, like, so, yeah, actually going somewhere. When I, was or back on, when I was on Discord, I was telling everybody, like, hey, you should use Fidelity. I use Fidelity. Fidelity is great. They're the only ones that didn't shut off the buy button mm -hmm. back in January because every other broker did that, not just Robinhood. Oh, okay. It was like every broker except Fidelity. So I was like, oh, this is great. Fidelity is awesome. Everybody use Fidelity. I've learned since then. There is no right brokerage because like Mike was saying with the synthetic shares, nobody knows who's holding the real shares and who's holding synthetics in their brokerage accounts, whether it's at Fidelity or Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade, whatever. Nobody knows. So we found out, we learned that there is a way to hold real stocks in your name directly uh, when you've got them in, in your broker the broker owns the shares. They put a, you know, plus one or plus 10 in your account on the computer, but it's all just ones and zeros. You don't own that share. Your name is not on that share. They have it and they're holding it for you. And so we learned that this whole system of brokers, uh, they're selling you, like Mike was saying, IOUs. They're not selling you real shares of stock. They're selling, selling you share entitlements. You're entitled to this share of stock if you ask for it. And what they'll do is uh, actually, let's say you own 100 shares through 
Fidelity or any which one of them, they're all the same. They will actually take your shares and lend them out to short sellers so that short sellers can do their business. And then they'll put it back in your without your permission. If you read the fine print of any of the the investment companies that you hook up with, you'll read in there, hey, we're going to do this. Yeah. And so if you're wanting to be long on a stock, the very investment company that you give money to to buy that stock for you are turning around and using your own stock against you uh, to, to the drive the price down. Then the, so the, then going back to Robinhood, uh, kind of the issue that people have with them is that, yeah, they're, they're not really any different than any of the others other than they're kind of in the pocket of, there's a couple big time market makers out there. Citadel's one of them. Uh, their owner is a guy named Ken Griffin. You'll read all about the hate he gets and, and he, it's well deserved. But what they can do is they can reroute your orders through internal or dark pools or whatever. And basically what that means is if you buy something and they want the price, so you were asking earlier, how do they manipulate the price mm-hmm. and have it what they want is let's say we want a price to go up. Then we're going to let all retail buys go to a lit market, which means it looks like from the New York Stock Exchange that everybody's buying that day. It makes the price go up. However, just as many people, if not more, could have sold that day, which if it had gone to the lit market would make the price go down. Well, hang on a second. Hang on. Did y'all know there was more than one stock exchange? No, I just know of the S&P, right? No, no. Wall Street. And then so like the New York Stock Exchange, yeah. that's one. NASDAQ, that's another one. There are dozens of other ones that are dark pools. And what that means is they don't publish quotes. But this is where all the big guys do their trades. You know, they trade in millions of shares. If they let all of those millions of shares affect the price, it would be huge swings up or down. You would have so much volatility. So they trade in dark pools, which is where they don't publish the prices. The trades just get submitted. So they're able to manipulate the the price of anything what they want. And so someone like Robinhood, it's called payment for order flow. Robinhood gets money from someone like Citadel. So instead of Robinhood putting your money directly onto the New York Stock Exchange, they reroute your order through Robinhood to Citadel. Citadel then decides what they want to do with that order. They yeah, either do wanna, they want it to impact the price or not? Or do they want to internalize that? And then just basically dole out another IOU or put it into this dark pool where there's no price discovery happening. And so there's this big argument right now against payment for order flow because it obviously doesn't, it's not good for me to get the best price. It doesn't really reflect what the company is doing right then. And then you're talking about, you guys seen like a office space where there's like, you know, the round off to the, the tenth of the penny and then over time, like you've got millions of dollars. Yeah. That's kind of what's going on with payment for order flow. These guys, whenever they're making the, the trades, they're, they're finding, they're, they're taking these trades out here onto the market and asking like, who is going to buy this from me or who's going to sell this to me? And so the price that they get goes like seven or eight decimal places, but they cut it off at like three or something. And then they just pocket the rest of whatever's left over. So you're not actually getting the best price on 
the stock that you buy by going through these things. So payment for order flow is something that allows market makers to, number one, put the the stock where they want it. Do they want it internal? Do they want to reach a lit market? What is their agenda with that stock? Do they want the price to go up? Do they want the price to go down? You start getting into options and it's like, where are they heavier leaning against? If they have puts, that means they're betting that the price goes down. So then they're obviously not going to put buys on the lit market. They're only going to put sales on the lit market. If they have calls on options, that means they're betting. And all options are, it's just gambling. You don't own anything one way or the other. You're just betting. You're like, I'm going to buy calls on Nike, meaning I think Nike in six months from now or three days from now or whenever that option expires, I'm betting that it, the price is going to be higher then than it is today. And so these market makers who also deal in options are able to like get the price. And if you go and look at what they call max pain is where the price any further away from that lower or further away from that higher is where the market maker has to pay out the most amount of money. And it's very convenient that right around that number they call max pain is usually about on Fridays what that stock ends up being. Yeah, it's an awful so lot of coincidences. How, is that, how, how often? Is that <laughs> wow, yeah. right? And so, it, and this is what we're saying is like I have no background in any kind of finance, anything mm-hmm. like that. I didn't even know about the the DFV and all that stuff until I started. I worked with Roth, and he was just telling me about all this stuff, and I was like, "Bro, you sound insane, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and like you got all this money in it, and and like you know, shouldn't you be more worried about like you know? putting clothes on your kids and doing all <laughs> right. this kind of Running stuff. Running your like, business. Like, yeah. just, just be happy with what you've got. Yeah. And he's like, dude, just, just like, read some of this stuff. Form your own opinion and then just, like, watch. Ask the question of, like, well, why are they saying this? And, man, I'm such a cynic. I still don't even know that anything's going to happen from this. I am cautiously optimistic. But the more I started reading into it and the more I started finding out, and this was a couple of years ago, and what has happened since has only been more affirmation bias that, yeah. <laughs> that like all of these things that people are saying, like, watch, this is going to happen. And then six months later, I'll be damned if that thing didn't happen. And it's like, wow. So even if I thought Roth was crazy and all these other people online were crazy because most people online are crazy, <clears throat> especially on Reddit. Yeah. It's like, no, you guys are a bunch of weirdos. So for just a normal person like me, yeah. it doesn't, man, I'm super cynical, like glass half full kind of dude. I, I expect everybody in the world to like try and get one over on me. So I'm like very guarded with things that I do. Once I started reading into this stuff, man, I was like, dude, whether it happens or whether it doesn't, there is definitely not a fair system right now. And, and so you call it a grassroots movement, whatever you want to do. I'm like, you know what? I want to put money into this. And if I never get that money back, yes, I do care because everybody has people that are like, we've all got mouths to feed. We've all got to live somewhere and and survive. However, if I can stick it to these dudes, even a little bit after reading into like, man, the corruption, just the unfairness that happens when you, when you're really talking about the richest people in the world, which is why I don't know if anything will ever really come about this because those people are powerful, man. And not to be sounding like some conspiracy theorist, it's just, it's their game. They play the rules. And a guy came along, you know, Keith Gill, 
and kind of explained the game to all these just common people. And they were like, oh, well, if that's how you play the game, we're also going to play that game. So what ended up happening is the 1% of the world who control all the money started getting beat at their own game. And it's been an, a cascading series of events since then of changing rules and hiding this and doing that to where we don't ever want to have to pay out what we actually owe on this mm-hmm. because we made a bad gamble and we've lost. So it's going to continue. It's going to continue. Yes. It's going to continue until something happens that like it can't just continue anymore. And yeah. like we've relied on like, hey, Department of Justice, step in. Regulating bodies, FINRA, SEC, step in, do something. And what it's coming to find out is that, man, it's a it's a country club of people that are mm, they're all right. in the same country club, man. Yeah. Uh, and so they're all looking out for one another's best interests. You know, the Citadel company that I, I spoke yeah. of, you go look at all these regulatory bodies who are in charge of making sure that these people toe the line. They're all ex-employees of Citadel. Yeah. Or That's another bad. one like well, that. Or one. they work with, for Charles Schwab. Or they were on the board of the Fed. Or all of these things. And it's like, wow, it's this one big family of, hey, man, you look out for me, I look out for you. And basically the, the poor people or the teachers with pensions and all that, if we ever lose, we're not going to lose those people. The poor people are going to lose, right? Mm. And we're so used to losing that and we don't really think anything else about it. And so the game that they've set up now is either they win and they give you scraps off their winning or they lose and they don't lose anything, but you get all your money taken from you. It's, That's the current system that we have right now. Heads and, we win, tails you lose. And as crazy as that sounds, I know it sounds crazy because that's what I was thinking when he was trying to explain all this stuff to me. But if you take the time and like read through some of the stuff that people who are actually in the know and are willing to share these things, if you read through what they'll tell you and then you just start asking yourself like, well, why did this happen? Like, why do those people do this? Why is this? Without even being crazy, you're going to quickly realize like, oh, this is pissing me off. Right. So that's why I put my money into it. If it ever happens that I become rich off this, great. I've never been rich. If I'm never rich in the future, my life is fine. It's okay. But the way things happen, it's just like, man, that's just not right. It's not cool. It's not fair that they're able to get away with this. And the thing is, it's like these people are multi-billionaires, right? So even if they lost 10% of their net value, they would still be the richest people in the world. Yeah. But, but they're so, I don't know, sociopathic, I guess, is the word that you would use, that, like, it's not about the money as much as it's about they're not willing to say that they lost mm-hmm. to anybody because they're, you know, everybody that, that has a large amount of money thinks they got that money because they're just smarter than everyone else. It's like, nah, bro, like, you're lucky or you were born into it, you won the birth lottery, something like that. So it's got nothing to do with whether or not you deserve money or don't deserve money. It's got everything to do with like, they can't admit that they've been beaten by like a common person. By a bunch of dumbasses. By, by a bunch of weirdos on some internet forum. Yeah. yeah. So they're just going to keep on changing the rules as they see fit. Something's going to happen. Prove. Well, so, something will eventually happen. These, you have to think about how much money these people have. And I don't, 
want to speak like officially on the corruption or anything because I don't know for sure yeah. about any of that stuff. I mean, it's all speculation. Right. But these people have the most money in the world. It it would not be difficult for them to pay somebody uh, to infiltrate any of these organizations or not even infiltrate them, just agree to share information for certain amounts of money or speaking fees if you come speak at some conference I'm putting on or whatever. There's so many different ways that they can scratch each other's back. And it happens a lot. And uh, then when it's time for the favor to go back the other way, this regulation doesn't get passed or it's much more watered down than it really should have been. Or there's a certain exception that's been added to it that just conveniently excludes this exact person that the legislation was designed to try to catch. So uh, it's a, it's and it's like that in every different organization that there is. Mike was talking about FINRA earlier. FINRA is made up of bankers and other people. They're a self-regulating organization. And uh, it's like the fox watching the hen house. It's these people aren't out there trying to stop what's going on with it. I mean, it's built into the system. All this, all these synthetic shares and the naked short selling, it's designed on purpose like that so that these people can extract money from the stock market. It's insane. Yeah. And I, I but it's you, the way it works. I'll give you an example. He said he didn't want to speak to the corruption and I won't either. Cause obviously man, I'm not going to sit here and say that the president is being paid off. <laughs> yeah, that, right? yeah. Like that's ridiculous. But like you go and look at actual, like what has happened documented, like it's on paper. There's, you can go out there and find this. Let's take that FINRA. The, they find people. Okay. So let's say a company uh, from 2012 to 2020 violated 97 uh, rules resulting in $80 million worth of income that they weren't supposed to get, whether it be synthetic shelling, all these kind of things, insider trading, whatever. Well, then Fender comes along and they find them $100,000. Yeah, it's like nothing. So you just made $80 million. That's not a fine. That's just the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. And and that happens. Like you can go out there and find that over and over and over again, which is why like a common person like me is like, man, you know what? If I had committed 97 yeah. transgressions over an eight year period, number one, I'd probably be in jail. Yeah. But number two, the first one. Number two, whatever I'm doing to to cheat and be against the law, I'm going to have whatever licensing or ability to do that taken away from me. All of these companies are still in business still doing it to this day until FINRA comes along and finds them another hundred thousand dollars on their, you know, 80 million that they've made off of whatever problem that they have started. So, and that's, that's not speculation. You can go out there and find that. Like it's all documented that like, Oh, here's a fine that was given to bank of America for whatever. And then you look at the percentage of what that fine is. And it's like, Oh, I would, be happy to pay a hundred thousand dollars for 80 million in profit. No problem. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Fuck, man. So that's kind of what's going on. And so, uh, you know, going back to, and, and that happens for every stock. It's not just GameStop. Yeah, I, I know you guys are like, you know, we're talking about GameStop right now, but like, that's just, that's just what our market is. Yeah. GameStop just happens to be the one that, uh, it's you an know, idiosyncratic came, risk. Yeah, that's the one that came to light and, and everybody kind of rallied around. Uh, well, only because 
these guys had sold so many shorts into so many synthetic shares into the market. Uh, one of the things that, that really convinced me to go hard into this stock was seeing short interest at 140%. So what that means is these guys sold 140% of the total shares of GameStop into the market. They sold more than 100% of all the shares that are supposed to be in existence into the market. All of those have to be bought back. Which At is some point, proof of synthetic shorting, right? That's how you know that it happened. But they still do it, even though it's illegal. They do it. That is insane. Are they, is. Ever, gonna, are they ever gonna like make them not be able to do that? Or uh, they rewrite the language okay. again? Okay. Who's okay. gonna well, make them? Who's the they? Oh yeah, because they're right. they're friends with them also, right? Yeah, it's like George Carlin said, it's one big club, and we ain't in it. Mm. And and but this is going. This is just across all stocks in in every sense of the way. Now, where it's important for GameStop, and and we're saying like, what can happen to to make this like finally get fixed? You know, going back to the brokerages, Fidelity, Robinhood, all those guys. You don't actually own that. They own it, and they give you an IOU. And at any point, let's say that the stock goes to. And I'm not even saying that it will, but just hypothetically, say if it went to a million dollars, have you read all the fine print through everything that Fidelity says? If Nobody they decide, does. If yeah. they decide that like, oh, wow, I can't give you a million dollars per share on this. So I'm going to close your account yeah, at a thousand dollars per share. As a bank. What? They can do that? Yeah. What as a fuck? bank, they're on the hook for that money. You know, cash is, uh, that's a liability for banks. Debt is an asset. Cash is a liability for a bank. It's backwards from how it is for us. So when you have, you know, hundred thousand dollars or more in gains, uh, they have to come up with that money for you. That's that's a liability. They have when you cash out, they owe you that money. And if the price of GameStop were to skyrocket on its way to a million dollars, I don't think it would happen in the blink of an eye. It would take a little bit of time. These guys can see that coming because with payment for order flow. Uh, when you are paying brokers to send these retail orders to you, not only can you decide where to put them on the lit exchange or in a dark pool or whatever, you can also see what everybody is buying, what everybody's doing, and you can front run those trades. And these guys do front run trades. It's supposed to be illegal, but nobody does anything about it. So they can these banks these these brokerages they can see when everybody is going to buy games they can see the price is going to continue going up they have all these super sophisticated AI models that are trying to determine how much they're going to lose if it's this or that or whatever and they can shut your shit down with the push of a button they can force buy you in or whatever they call it they can just take your shares from you they'll sell them into the market so I mean you'll get your money but they, if they know the price is going to keep skyrocketing upwards, they can and they will just you're done. So what's the answer to that? Right. You can hold your shares in the transferring agent of the company that you're investing in. It happens to be computer share with GameStop. So there's been this big movement of everybody is taking their shares from like Fidelity, Robinhood, all these other ones and directly registering in their name. Through computer share. So this is this big movement of, all right, everybody, let's take all of these shares that are 
right now being used by Fidelity to, first off, we don't really own them, right? Fidelity or whoever has given us an IOU saying that they're going to pay us whatever the value is at the time that we decide that we want to cash out. If you directly register it, Fidelity sends your shares to ComputerShare and they put your name on it. Yes. Now, there are only a fixed number of shares in the real world that have been issued by GameStop. So if all of this short selling has gone on, that we're saying has gone on, and there's proof that it has, that if everybody starts directly registering their shares in their name, pretty soon, and GameStop can see this, pretty soon GameStop starts to see, oh, wow, now it hasn't happened yet, and we don't know what will happen but let's say that there's 320 shares of, or million shares of GameStop, roughly. What happens whenever you count up all of the insiders, the the employees where, like Ryan Cohen, who is the activist CEO now of GameStop. No, no, see, he's not, the chairman, chairman, of, the chairman of the board. The CEO, all those people, they have theirs. And then they add that up to, oh, wow, it says that we've got directly registered more than we've got 330 directly registered shares here plus the addition of what all we have that adds up to like 400 million shares how can that be yeah at that point you have the proof there's your smoking gun to go to the dtcc or they already know about it bro yeah yeah, they already (laughs) know about it but that's that's where you say hey it is your fiduciary duty to make sure that this doesn't happen. But there's Here's, nothing they can do to stop it. They can't do shit to stop this. So what happens when 100% of GameStop shares have been moved into their transfer agent, into your own name, and all these other people still have shares in their brokerage account? I mean, GameStop is saying, we've got 100% of our shares right here, directly registered, and all these other people still have their shit in their brokerage and these brokerages have the ability to just get rid of your shit anyways. And you go read the fine print on that because it is there and it's terrifying. So the brokerage, able to do it. the brokerage would have, if GameStop had a hundred percent, they would just, they would just cash you out on the, or just deposit the money and sell your share. I really don't know what they would do. Nobody knows. It's like, it's never oh, happened. Before. Oh, okay. okay yeah. Okay, okay. This, this, there has never been a situation like this before and there never will be again. That's why this is called an idiosyncratic risk. You know, the price closed around $22, $23, something on Friday. So, I mean, you buy 100 shares and it's like a couple thousand bucks. If you lost it, oh, well, you keep being poor for the rest of your life if you have to, whatever. Uh, if you hold it and move it into your own name and computer share and the price exponentially grows 10,000% because the business will drive that price growth in the stock. The business side of this is extremely impressive these guys know what they're doing this guy ryan cohen that that is the chairman of the board he started chewy if you've ever heard of the pet food company chewy they took on amazon and beat amazon this guy has beat amazon before and uh they're building a business that is going to make amazon obsolete and it sounds insane to say that gamestop is going to be bigger than amazon but it will be it may take several years but it will be I was reading up on like uh, what all they're like, inc- what they're implementing and stuff like that. Yeah. Where they're trying to be like 
the destination for like esports, you know, like yes. and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool because man, that's where everything is going. You asked, yeah. I was asking some kids at um, my buddy's birthday dinner on Friday, like you know what what, what they game what the games they like. They oh, I want to be an esports player, like you know, yeah. yeah, like that's like the answer you get now from kids and stuff like that. Instead of like oh, I'll yeah. be I'm play I'm be a quarterback for the 49ers or whatever, you know. But right. now, just think yeah. about it. Like let's say that the NFL is like a hundred billion dollar sport with all their TV contracts and stuff. Let's say if 5% of what the NFL gets turns into esports, you know, like you're playing Madden, all of a sudden yeah. people are tuning in to watch it. I'm talking about 5%, it's like, well, that's $5 billion right there of revenue. And so we, we've talked a lot about like, but we, we haven't really discussed like why is, is, could GameStop go high like that? Like why GameStop? Uh, so, you, you got to rewind way, way back in the day. I mean, you think about what happened to stores like Blockbuster mm-hmm. and Radio Shack and stuff like that. They were being what's called seller boxed. Basically, there's a, a few groups out there, uh, like Boston Consulting Group. Uh, basically, they they use death spiral financing. They they get this. they are are like they get their members on the board and just make bad decisions. On to purpose like, to to run a company into the ground, and yeah, it's, so they'll it's put insiders in there because again, yeah. these are the richest people in the entire world. They can pay anybody to do anything. Yeah. I mean, and if happened. you work somewhere and somebody came up to you and said, "I'll give you a hundred million dollars to make the most dumbass decisions you possibly could," and would it, you do it? I do for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, this is this is not speculation. Go look at like you know the board of directors of like Toys R Us or all these like companies that have just gone out of business that were like so good. Like, why did that happen? And look at who was on the board and where they came from, right? And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, there's a common thread here. A lot of these companies are going out of business. And not to get real conspiracy theorish about it, but like most of the companies that have gone out of business that are in this kind of like category, it does in a roundabout way benefit Amazon, right? Yes. So anyway, I won't go too far down that road because that's a, a whole different thing. But they started seller boxing GameStop for it to be the next company. They wanted it to go to zero because they were shorting it. If it goes to zero, they never have to sell anything. And they basically just write it all off. So they take your money if you sell it back and then they just hold it and they're able to write it off. Like, Oh man, I've got this stock that's worth zero. It's like, you know, tax write off basically for yeah. them while also. Like if you bought it at $10 and it went to zero and you're like, oh, God, I want to sell that back at 50 cents just to save anything, right? Well, they still kept your $9.50. So they made money off that and they <laughs> still own the stock, right? But it's at zero until it goes bankrupt. And then it's like, man, you know, you don't even have to worry about it at that point anymore. So they were in, in the process of doing that with GameStop. Yeah, the price of GameStop had gotten down before the stock split and the value was divided by four. Uh GameStop got down to like under four dollars in 2020. I don't remember what month it was the low, but it got down to like four dollars. And then you go back and look at the chart. You have to look at a log chart, which is like an exponential one. And you can see it go all the way up to five hundred thirteen wow. from under four dollars. And it, it was and that's when, when this guy, Keith Gill, had bought in was when it was around like twelve dollars. And, and he's the one that kind of came out yeah. there and explained what was going on and what had happened to these other companies and what was happening with GameStop and was happening with other companies at the time. But the GameStop is the one that was like really going hard on that time. And that's the one he mentioned which is why so all of these people kind of 
you know, heard that and came together and threw basically GameStop a life raft. Well, what what DFE was saying uh, was that GameStop was not just a failing brick and mortar company with a obsolete business model. GameStop was instead a really nostalgic brand for a lot of people that had 60 plus million annually subscribing customers to their Power Up Rewards Pro program. And uh, they had a real opportunity to use the PS5 console refresh to turn themselves around into something more modern. You know, everybody would always say in the media, everybody downloads their games. Nobody buys real games anymore, right? It is. Mm -hmm. People still do. But even if that's coming in the future, fine. You think GameStop can never sell digital video games? They do right now. Yeah. Even better, they've come out with this NFT marketplace, and this is revolutionary new technology. People shit all over NFTs, and I get it. It's fine. There's been a ton of bad press. There's a bunch of stupid shit out there. But NFTs are just like a mason jar. You can put gold in one mason jar and shit in another and two wildly different values, but the mason jar can hold anything. It's still just the same thing. That's what the NFT really is. Uh, but with NFTs, they can sell uh, access to video games. So these big AAA studios can now publish their own games wherever they want to and just sell you kind of a endless ticket to access it whenever you want. And then when you're done playing it, you can turn around and sell that ticket to the next person that wants to play it. And that's all being done digitally. So while, yes, there is still a shitload of physical sales, uh, physical copies being sold, uh, GameStop has locked down the future for digital, too. So it's super promising. Yeah. So from the basically the one foot in the grave that they were in, you know, they around the same time that uh, DFV was was posting his videos and kind of letting the masses know Ryan Cohen, who was an activist investor, like dumped a bunch of money and wrote letters to the board of GameStop, basically telling them, Hey, like you guys are, you guys are screwing up here. Like you've got an opportunity here with the digital market to become like an e-commerce giant, as well as still being successful in some of your stores if you tighten things up. And so they actually brought him on. They made him a member of the board and like he came in there and kind of cleaned house and, and got some of those bad actors from some of these consulting mm, groups that were intentionally taking some of these you know, short hedge funds. And all of a sudden those guys start getting pushed out and Ryan Cohen comes in and starts appointing people that taking people from Amazon, like big time guys. Oh my God. Taking people from like like big companies. 240 people from Amazon. Like Like legitimate companies. The biggest positions there. Not like the small entry level people. Like the big shots. suite is legit. Yeah. And uh, from Walmart, QVC, from all over the place. And, and so this all happened around the same time of when that the squeeze happened way back in January 21. And these people started coming on and it's taken them a little while, but they've actually <laughs> turned the ship. And the last quarter that they just had, they posted their first profitable quarter in a couple of years. And with they the blew money, it out of the water and with the money that they have awesome. on hand, they're able to do mergers. And the more important thing is like, they've built this like almost cult following of people that, Anything that GameStop does, if they sell something, I'm going to look I'm there buy first it. before I buy anything else. Now, yeah. if they don't sell it, sure, I'll go buy something you know, from Walmart or something. But imagine, like, if GameStop all of a sudden, you know, and I don't know if they have the money to do this, but if they wanted to, go buy, like, Peacock 
streaming service or something like that. If I don't have Peacock right now because I am actively supporting GameStop, I'm going to go become a member of Peacock. Just because GameStop or, got involved. Or Hulu or whichever. And then now all of a sudden, so GameStop has just merged into the streaming business. And they've got at least 200,000 people who are directly registered, who have like actively taken an approach to go and take their shares out of the hands of the DTCC and brokerages and put them in their own name. So it it's not a lot of effort, but you it's have one to phone go call. Do it. you have, it's one but, phone but, call, but you have to, to get your it. shares in your own name. So you're willing to go and do that, which means you're probably very interested in the price of the stock going up, which means you're going to support your company. Which means that whatever GameStop does at this point going forward, they have got at minimum two hundred thousand people who are kind of ravenously crazy about the company that are going to back them. So if you you name anything now right now they're a gaming company they sell video game stuff they sell some collectibles things like that they've got a little bit of clothing but there's been talks of hey if they've got over a billion dollars of cash on hand that if they wanted to do a merger with any other company whether it be like a household product company like you know there was talk of bed bath and beyond a while back i don't think that's going to happen but if it if it did you know where i'm going to buy my towels from you know where yeah, all these people yeah, I'm getting a rocket ship on my towel. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so they've they've kind of built it and and proven like, hey, uh, like give us time and we'll show you that we can make this happen. And and they're doing it. So aside from all the the synthetic shares and the the hundred and two hundred whatever percent oversold, like just the fundamental ideas of the company. This is going to are, be a are, growing are really, company for are really, a long really time good right now. It's like if you go look at any company right now that would have had the earnings report that GameStop had, their shares would be just like skyrocketing. But it's so funny is GameStop shares are still falling. Mm-hmm. Well, and they went like, up wow. 50% right after earnings. But <clears throat> since then, yeah. it's just been down. And that's what the price always is. It makes these massive upward leaps and then just slowly fades away. And that's they keep doing this synthetic dilution, diluting the prices over and over. And for, so for years now. So whether or not the, the short squeeze thing ever happens, like it's still a really good company to be involved with because it's not going to get smaller. They're not right? going bankrupt. They're not going bankrupt because there's a crazy like group of people. It's like, I'll keep you in business myself. If, if no, if you do nothing different other than just sell video games, the video game industry is massive. It's, right. Yeah. And if you're the leader in that, and you start getting involved with esports and you start sponsoring things like that. Like GameStop is never going to be just a dying brick and mortar store. Like no. all of the Yahoo articles you ever read are going to tell you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you got to ask yourself, like, why would they want you to think that? Yeah. If, if you don't care anymore and the GameStop situation is over, why are you throwing an article out there two or three times a week telling me about how bad GameStop is? If you've moved on, just move on. Or, are we trying to like plant some seed in some random stranger's head who doesn't know anything about? So when you go talk to somebody who doesn't know, they're going to be like, Oh, GameStop. Yeah. That's, that's over with. That's done. But it's, the thing is, is it's not. If you actually read into the investigative reporting that just these common people have done, which most of which have come out to be true, then you, you're going to know like, Oh, wow. Like there is a chance for this thing 
to get really, really crazy. Oh, it's happening. It's going to, it would, this That's squeeze would happen. The squeeze, the squeeze yeah. would happen with or without us just yeah. because of the shares that Ryan Cohen has. He bought like 13% of the whole company back in 2020. And he's only been buying more since he hasn't sold a single share either. He sold through an entire spike up and down. So, and, and as more shares have been directly registered into computer share, there's less shares out there for these guys to manipulate price with without creating more synthetics. So the idea of this like infinity squeeze is that let's say that there's 300 million shares just to make it a round number. Okay. And let's say that hypothetically a billion shares have been sold. Okay. Well, if I own however many of these 300 million shares and something happens that the short positions are forced to close, well then they're going to start by buying the, lowest priced ones possible. And if us four in this room right now are the last four people that own shares in GameStop, they have to have those to close their positions because they're so oversold. And they come to you and say, I'll give you $300 for it. And you say, I don't think so. And they go to you in $300 and they go to you in $300 and they go to me in $300. And then that just, we all keep telling them no and no and no until that reaches a number that I'm like, okay, a million dollars, I'll sell you one. No problem. But that's one share. Just yeah. one. Right? Oh, yeah. Now, I see what you're saying. Whether or not people are, are going to do that, like, to be honest with you. I'm like, doing it. So I don't you, give a fuck. Some, some people do it. Like, <laughs> I've got enough shares right now that, like, I would straight up, like, if this thing, and it depends on how quickly it went up, like, if I could pay my house off and, like, have no bills and just, like, at that point, just sit back and enjoy whatever happens, i probably sell a couple shares just to take care of that. But I don't it, even it, want U.S. dollars. Well, well and, I don't so want, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier. What do you guys, if you do sell your shares, what do you want the money in? Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to sell them in the first place. I'd rather hold them there's and the, let GameStop pay me dividends. There's the idea because they'll, of the they're much smarter than me. They'll pick whatever the best currency is. And that's what yeah. we'll get is dividends. That's what I want. And now you can't eat you know, NFTs and stuff like that. So if they give you an NFT dividend, which has been like floated out there, like that's all well and good. But then Shit, I wrote a shareholder it. proposal about it. And but the, so the problem is, though, is like, you know, the dollar is what we use now and whether the dollar is what we use in five, five years from now or five months from now, even, you know, whatever it is that like the world has gone to that just sell it for that. Oh, or, got you. Or don't sell it at all, like he's saying, and then like you get dividends. Live back, off the dividends. Right? But but that's the idea is if you never sell it, if no one ever sells it, then the shorts can never close. Now, I don't think that's gonna happen. Like there's there's too many people who are very, very poor and like money would go a long way from Yeah. Them. But let's just throw some numbers at it real quick. <clears throat> let's say that the the US national debt right now is like Thirty-one trillion. Let's say roughly ten percent of that would be three trillion dollars. That's three with twelve zeros behind it. Mm. Let's say that there are three hundred million shares of GameStop. So let's say the government stepped in, and the Fed were going to print money. Now this would cause inflation, but just say, "Hey, all shorts, we're going to give you this amount of money, and you're going to close. It's going to, it's ten percent of our federal national debt. Like it's not going to upset the apple cart. It's going to tighten some waistbands a little bit." But the world doesn't end how we know it. So that's three trillion is what they print. Twelve zeros. Okay. Three hundred million shares of GameStop. That's ten thousand dollars a share. And they say, we're gonna give ten thousand dollars a share to stop this problem. 
Now, there's going to be some people that are going to say, no, I'm not happy until these people go to jail because it's another Bernie Madoff type situation. Yeah. That guy went to jail. So what these guys are doing, they probably ought to go to jail for it. But there's going to be a lot of people that say, oh, if the government came to me right now and said, I'll give you $10,000 per share for you to just let this go away. A lot of people would take that. And I, I don't know that I wouldn't, you know, so it, and I'm not trying to price cap. I'm not trying to say it, you know, 10,000 is what it's worth. I'm just saying without even upsetting the, the way our country works now, right? I think our system is broken and I think the, the system needs to be fixed. And this is a way to highlight that and, and really make the real change. But if the, if the government or the Fed or whoever just came and decided like, hey, hedge fund makers, you guys have put us into this bind. This is what we're going to do to stop it. And American people, you're just going to have to deal with it and and be okay. Now, at that point, you've got 10000 per share. Are you going to be happy with that? And then the same con- system continues? Or are you going to revolt against that and say, no, I'm not going to take that. You can't cap this. That's not what free markets are about. You guys are siding with these wealthy people who have obviously made bad decisions. And once again, you are making a choice to be on their side and not mine. Well, there's a whole lot more middle class to lower class people than there are uber wealthy people. So they have to start making decisions on like, oh, wow, are people going to vote for me next time? Right. Because I guess that's how you make change in the United States is like you, you vote people in. Like if people aren't doing the things that you would like them to do, like you vote them out, you get somebody in there that will. But then the worry is lobbying is a thing. Mm. And the people who make the rules and are owning the hedge fund are the lobbyists. So again, <laughs> it goes back to that big situation of like, it's just a cesspool and yeah. it needs to be blown up completely. It does. So And I mean, you do it by buying GameStop and putting the shares in your own name. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. How do you do that? Very easy. Uh, I'll give you the phone number for okay computer share, but you don't you don't call you call your broker and you tell your broker I would like to directly register my shares, and that's all you have to say. And they might try to give you some runaround and be like, well, it's going to take like six weeks because they got to go out and find the shares first because yeah. they're not even holding real shares for you. Uh, but it's cool. Just wait. And all this, sh- the computer share will accept your shares. They'll send you all the paperwork and everything. You set up your account with them, and it's the exact same as having a brokerage. Um, your shares don't sell, or they do sell exactly the same as they would with a brokerage. But when you buy shares, it takes a couple more days for it to go through, as opposed to being instant, like oh, with a you. broker. Yeah, yeah. But so you you can't buy through computer share. Yes. It's just uh, the cash takes a few days to settle. So if the price is twenty two dollars now, and there's a run, and it's forty dollars next week when your cash settles, you will have bought the price at forty dollars instead yes. of the instantly mm. twenty two. But the deal with these transfer agents, they're not banks. They can't hold your money for you. So if you sell your shares to them, they will immediately send you a check or just do an EFT into your account. So uh, definitely the best way to hold shares long term because, you know, we've been having a lot of these banking crises and everything. So in addition to these brokerages, being able to just close your position down completely, uh, if those brokerages go bankrupt, because of any of this contagion from all the other banks, uh, what do they do to sort 
all of these people's shares and accounts out and all that. I mean, you don't own the real share. You're not going to get to keep the share because it's just an IOU. And if they go bankrupt, they may offer you a payout of some kind, but you don't have that share of stock. And meanwhile, all these shares of stock may be going higher. So it went from $4 to 500 something. Yes, it did. And now it's what, $22 you said? Yes, well, that's we've, after a, a we've had times. a four to one split. Yeah. Oh, okay. What does that mean? That's where the price gets divided by whatever the split factor is 10 to one, four to one, two to one, whatever. Uh, so if the price is $100 before the split, it's a two to one split. Uh, you've got 100 shares at $100. After the two to one split, You've got 200 shares at $50. Didn't Amazon recently do that too? Yeah, they did like a 20 to one or something, maybe 10 to one. I think it was Google. So it's good for it to split. It makes it, it makes the price cheaper, which is more accessible for a lot of people. Okay. 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 Makes it easier to extract money from dumb retail investors. And there's a little bit of some controversy about that. The way that the split was supposed to happen was that GameStop was basically given like a a dividend. a dividend. Yeah, it was a so dividend you, split. For every one share that you had, you got an additional You were going three to get three as a dividend. As a dividend. And so what they did is they said, all right, well, there's 76 million shares or whatever it was. We're going to give computer share. We have registered in their name. Okay. We're going to give computer share all of these shares and they're going to divvy those out three for every one share everybody has. Then they're going to take the rest of them and give them to the DTCC, which is the the governing body that controls all of supposedly the paper stocks. Okay, They're the centralized clearing agency for all of the brokers. So and anytime shares need to move between brokerages, it all happens on the books at the DTCC, the Depository Trust and Clearing Company. And so let's say that after all the insiders and all these people get their three per share and computer share gives all the retail people their three per share. What's left over was going to go to the DTCC to be divided out amongst brokers, depending on however many shares the brokers had. Well, what happens whenever you're the DTCC and you know, synthetic short selling has been going on and you've only got 100 million shares to divvy out. Well, fidelity calls you up and they say, Hey, according to what we've got on hand here, we need 75 million shares. And then Charles Schwab calls you up and they say, hey, we need 50 million shares. Already you're at 125 million shares. You only were given a million, okay, or 100 million. And then Robinhood calls you up. Um, E-Trade calls you up. TD Ameritrade calls you up. All these different people, and it ends up that you're like, oh, wow, we actually need 500 million shares, and we were only given 100 million. So what are we going to do? to appease all of these brokerages commit fraud, just tell them to go ahead, just tell them <laughs> to go ahead and in their computer system, add three more to every share that they've got. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it at the back end, which means that the DTCC knowingly synthetically shorted or, or created synthetics for GameStop. They allowed them to happen. They didn't create. And, and the problem that happens here is that this not just in a, an American problem. People all over the world own GameStop. So if you're a German in Germany and you own GameStop, you were given the three from GameStop, but you were given three synthetics. Okay. So the German regulatory body has got to look at that and say, well, wait, how did this happen? Okay. 
And so they've made their broker just actually go back and say, no, we're not doing that. You go and find the shares mm. and buy them. Oh, and give them wow. To you, right. So the DTCC have put all of their brokerages, even if you were a brokerage who was on the up and up by the DTCC doing what they did. Now, all of a sudden, they made you carry synthetic shares. So what are you going to do <laughs> when all these synthetic shares get directly registered? And you're like, man, I've only got 100 shares. And this guy's trying to tell me he wants to send 500 to computer share. Well, I've only got 100. I have to go out on the open market and buy 400 more. That is that going to come out of my pocket? Is the DTCC going to give me that money? Like, where am I going to get these real shares from? Okay. That or we just fake like we have 500 and I send computer share 500. (laughs) And what ends up happening is whenever a computer share is full, whenever we get to the 320 or whatever million shares, 305 million shares that are out there in the real world, if you, you and you have not transferred your money over, what does that mean for you in your Fidelity account or your Robinhood account? You're like, man, I have I have 300 shares in a Robinhood account. You're telling me those aren't real? They just what do they just go away? Nobody knows. Like what happens? Nobody knows what's gonna happen. They're not nothing real. like this has ever happened before. GameStop's not obligated for them because it's like that's, nope. that's not a real share. All the real shares that we have issued are right here, accounted for. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you paid somebody three hundred dollars or or money for three hundred shares. It's like that they they gypped you. That's fraud. And it it happens. It's going on right now. And like there's evidence out there to prove it. And it's just so crazy that all our regulatory bodies are just like Stevie Wonder out there, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no idea. Signing no off idea. on it. Yeah, yeah. Is this or, or, or doing the old. Oh, here's your here's your thousand dollar fine. Yeah. Well, don't just take our word for it uh, because we're probably getting a bunch of shit wrong. Uh, this is I've been in this a long time, and I read most of this shit on Reddit like two years ago, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so I'm remembering a lot of it wrong. I'm sure. Uh, but the whole purpose of all this is to try to encourage people to do their own research. You'd be shocked to learn how wealthy people actually invest. They don't do any research. All they do is listen to whatever this guy says to do. If he's the smartest guy or not, whatever, if he's working with these people or not, it doesn't, none of it matters. They're just like, oh, well, he's made me money before. So I'm going to keep my money with him, whether he's committing fraud or doing whatever else. Nobody fucking knows. Uh, it's wild, man. It's absolutely wild. I never realized how difficult of a problem it was trying to manage money until this GameStop thing happened. And, you know, my account blew up from $40,000 to over a million point three. And I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do with all this fucking money? And I didn't know. I'm not going to give it to these assholes that I just read all this shit about yeah. all the fraud they're committing and all the bullshit they're pulling. I don't want to let them have my money. I'm just going to keep it in GameStop. What was your first feeling when you saw that number? Well, it gradually <clears throat> built up to that. It didn't go overnight. Uh, but when I first invested January 13th, 2021, uh, after I had seen Deep Value doing his thing, uh, it was like every every morning I would wake up and check my brokerage account and it'd be like up another 120%. The next morning it's up 70%. The next morning, it's up 3%. Next morning, it's down 1%. But it was like every day I'd wake up, and it would be up these huge numbers. And it was 
just like pure bliss. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. So at first I'd only bought like 250 shares and then I bought a couple more that same day. And, uh, as it kept going up, I was like, holy shit, this really might be something because I had always recognized, like, I, I don't know if you guys play video games, but I do. And I had kind of recognized the industry needs a leader, somebody to set standards and, you know, the right way to do things. Yeah. Um, they say it's Nintendo, but it's not there. There isn't one that's, that's leading like all of gaming. And so when I saw this was going on with GameStop, because I had seen this happen before with Tesla in like 2018 or 29, I don't remember when their big squeeze was, but it, I had seen it on Reddit. People were talking about it on Reddit and I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll try to get in on some Tesla. So I bought some and then the price tanked, uh, the value went down like a thousand bucks in my brokerage account. And I was like, no shit, I got to get out of this before it goes down anymore. Well, then a couple years later, you know, Tesla has had three or four splits and the price is trading at 200 and I would have made a shitload of money. But I, I got scared out of it. I let them take my $1,000. And so when I saw it this next time on Reddit, I was like, oh, shit, here we go again. But this is with GameStop. And maybe something will really be there. So I had a couple other stocks like AMD and some other bullshit. And uh, I was like, you know, I don't really have conviction in those stocks. I bought them just because uh, they're popular names or, you know, I think maybe they'll do good later. But I didn't know. Like I knew with GameStop. The GameStop is going to become a massive company. I, I know this and uh, I have conviction in this. And so I started selling all my other shit and buying a little bit more. And by the time January 28th came around, I had a thousand and fifty eight shares and it was three hundred and thirty thousand dollars that it was worth. And uh, I'd only had like 40 grand in my account on January 13th. So that's like two weeks. You know, I've made almost three hundred thousand dollars profit. But uh, I thought it was going to keep going. I thought it was going to go up to $1,000, just like you said, mm -hmm. because that's what everybody was talking about. Uh, so I was going to hold for that. Then it didn't. They shut off the buy button. Uh, historic act. Never done before. Still nobody has gotten in trouble for it. Blows my mind. But after they turned the buying off for Robinhood and all the other brokerages, of course the price is going to tank. Nobody can buy those shares of stock. So and people are obviously selling a lot and that's why it tanked so quickly. Uh, but when it kind of reached what I thought to be a bottom, I borrowed 200 grand from my business line of credit and I tripled my 1000 shares. And then two weeks after that price skyrocketed back up to like $350. Bam. All of a sudden my account's worth over a million. And uh, I thought it was going to keep going again. And I was like, man, they're not going to pull this bullshit turning off the buy button again. Uh, though now I recognize, yes, they absolutely will when the price does start to increase. They absolutely will make it impossible to buy it. Uh, but I just held it. I was like, I know that this company is going to do something. I believe that. And uh, that's why I still have every single share plus some. You know, I got that four to one split on top of all that. And I've been buying shares this whole time nonstop. I, I haven't sold a single share because I believe the value is significantly higher. The real value is significantly higher than what it is right now. And I'll keep holding them. Does that go partly because of that guy that came on board too? Yes. That guy, Ryan Cohen that came on board, he's the one that's been turning this whole thing around. Uh, 
It's almost like he went into Amazon's headquarters and was like, hey, who wants to go do this the right way? And like 250 people got up and walked out with him. That's almost what it feels like. Uh, But they it seems like they are trying to do it the right way. They can use these NFTs in the NFT marketplace to verify authenticity. I don't know if y'all have ever bought some fake shit off of Amazon I unknowingly, I but I have. Yeah, I bought like sure. a $1,000 graphics card and they sent me a $100 one instead. <laughs> in the in the box, the box was right, but somebody had opened it up and swapped it up. So I was like, man, that's bullshit. But uh, I think GameStop's going to do it the right way. They can use NFTs to verify authenticity, to track the history of every transaction that that thing has mm-hmm. ever been involved in. Uh, all of it. It's they're I, I think they're using the NFT marketplace to connect buyers and sellers of everything, cars, houses, stocks, I don't know, food, furniture, all sorts of shit, all of it uh, with verifiable authenticity and traceable history and backed up by retail storefronts on every fucking corner. So if you have any issue, you just go to the store and get it solved. So that's what I think is coming. And that's why I'm still holding them. And uh, that opinion slowly developed over the course of these past two and a half years. Did any of your friends that you told to jump on board, are they kicking themselves now or were they kicking themselves during the height of it? No, not right now because the price is still low. Yeah. But I don't know. Like when it was like skyrocketing, though. Yeah. Uh, most of my friends actually bought in. Oh, okay. I must be a super effective salesman. <laughs> I'm buying more when we get off the podcast yeah. today. Going to direct register. They, they put you on the board. Yeah, Shit. right. Both of y'all. I'll take that job. There. I'll also, take that man, job. What's crazy is you say that. Like we're it's like he already mentioned it. We're not financial people, man. Like yeah. no, no man. I'm just a regular advice. everyday we're just guy. Like the stonk, man. Yeah. That's it. But uh, no, for real. Like he talked me into doing it. Uh, and I, I bought in like way too high. I, man, I, I'm super cheap. And I don't believe in stuff. And, like, I'm not a stock market guy. I mean, like, that's not – my family never made money in stocks. I've never – like, my grandfather never traded and stuff like that. So, like, that's all foreign to me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, man. And then you've always heard all your life, like, oh, man, those Wall Street guys are crooked. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, and I think there's a, a book out there called, like, Swimming with Sharks or something, that, like, if you know what they know, then, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get wealthy off mm-hmm. of it because you're betting with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they manipulate everything. But if you go against them, you're going to lose. Okay. And so I never really bought into stocks. And when he first told me about it, I was like, ah, man, I don't know. And I bought it kind of late. I think I got like my first share. I bought like a couple of shares and that was like 170 bucks a piece. And then that was like, then it tanked. You know, he was saying it went up to whatever and then it tanked and then it went up again. So I stupidly, like I bought on the way up at like $178 or something, and then it tanked. And I was like, ah, yeah, that was like a flash in the pan nonsense. So I, I sold it and like lost like a hundred bucks. I think I sold it like $75 or something like that. Dick. Lost like a hundred bucks. Cause I'm like, man, I'm I, like, this is crazy. I don't believe in this stuff. I don't believe in this stuff. Yeah. And then a long time happened. And this like, I was actually making parts for him, uh, at the company that I own and Months go by and I actually like merged my business with his and we're sitting in the office there and he's just like, man, in my ear about GameStop, GameStop, GameStop. Just sitting there. All day, baby. Won't shut up about it, man. And I'm like, dude, what? What's your problem, man? Like, <laughs> are you retarded? Are you yeah. a retard? And he's, like, he's like, no, man, just like, just read this. Check this out. Read this. Like, you're a smart dude. Just read this. And then just like, ask your own questions. And I was reading. I was like, all right. Okay. 
So then I, I was like, okay, I kind of, I kind of think you're onto something here. I still don't believe that it's going to take off, but I'm going to put some money into it just because, like I said, just I, I in wanna, case, I want to mm-hmm. like I want to land a shot on these dudes. Mm-hmm. Like something has to change, and if if my you know three hundred dollars pushes the needle one way or the other, here you go. And then as time goes on, time goes on. Remember, I'm a very cynical person that doesn't like, ah, man, this stuff doesn't really happen. And I start seeing this stuff happen and I get more and more kind of conviction about like, man, I'm kind of angry, to be honest with you. And that's the one thing I'll say is like, unless you're okay to be bothered, don't don't invest. (laughs) Don't read too deep. (laughs) Like if you just want to sit back and watch what the Kardashians are doing or something like that, just like live your, you know, milk toast life. Go ahead. Because once you start kind of reading into this and seeing like, oh, wow, this is how it works. This is why I can't have what. I want and they get to have it, then you'll kind of be like upset about it. So I started buying in, started buying in, started buying in. And I'm actually down right now. Like the price, like hindsight 2020, had I known the depths of the dip, what these people are capable of doing as far as manipulating, controlling the price. But if I didn't have still that same conviction that like, A, the whole potential for the short squeeze stuff, that has gone nowhere. And there are companies, hedge funds that I've seen drop like flies ever since this happened directly because of the GameStop situation. Like Melvin Capital is one of them. There's been several. Some of these bank runs that we talked about earlier, they're directly tied to some situations going on with GameStop. So as these things start happening, it's like, oh, wow, more and more of what's going on has come true. And what we got to understand is these people that are kind of fighting against you right now, have all the money in the world to keep on pushing this problem, keep on pushing this problem. And the problem is a systematic problem. It's really from 2008 when we were doing all the the real estate issues that we're doing, like that's moved on into like it's we bailed those guys out and we're still having the problem now. Right. So we've just kicked the can further and further. And as that pressure has started to build and started to build, at some point, we're going to blow up, okay? And I believe that, and that's why I still have money in GameStop, even though I'm down on my money right now. Now, in a perfect world, I would have waited and maybe bought now. And and who's to say in a month from now, it might not be $10 cheaper. What I will tell you is it's never going to go to zero. And as the thing gets, like, bigger and bigger and bigger through the, the directly registering your shares, yeah, it, at some point, it's going to hit a bottleneck that, it can't go down any further. Something is going to be done about this. The other thing is the further the price goes down, the easier it is for me to buy more shares. So if you guys are wanting to buy shares, yeah, you could have bought them like I did at 170 bucks. Yeah, it's a great time to get in right now. Or you could wait till it's $20 like it is right now and like, wow, just look how much further your money goes. You can own that many more shares. Regardless of what you pay for the shares, if the thing ever does explode, like, doesn't matter what you paid for them. They're all worth the same amount mm. at the end of the day. So it's a good time to get by. Now, obviously, people got to do what they got to do with their money. I understand it. Like, people that don't come from wealth, dude, you got to get bills paid. You can't put yourself in a bad position trying yeah. to, like, fight the man. I definitely would not put in any more than you were willing to lose because and, the price will go down. And, and you will see negative gonna, numbers it, in your account. If you never sell it, you're not going to lose it. Yeah, the, the you key might just have is to, to hold it for a long yeah. time. 
That's how you make it work. That's how it, but ultimately, like, what are you going to put your money in anything? Like you go look at the S and P 500 right now. What's its year to date return? You put your money in that, you lose money there too. The GameStop, if you look year to date now, GameStop compared to any other major indices that or investment fund that you could have put your money into, GameStop's doing pretty well. We're up like 27 or 29% year to date. And, uh, I think like the, the past, th- the, since the squeeze started, it's like 17 or 1800%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just, um, AMC, then like the next one that was supposed to be taken off too. Man, I got my own theories on AMC. I think that it was a diversionary mm. tactic that they used to try to get people to, not put money on such a sensitive spot for them because yeah. every single share for GameStop really is bad for these people because they're all synthetic shares and there's already, I believe there's billions of them. Uh, so they don't want any more thrown on the pile. Uh, now there are some very uh, uh, convinced people, I guess, that are holding AMC. They think something will happen. Uh, I don't really like the CEO of that company very much. I don't think that he's doing the best that he could be to increase shareholder value. They keep diluting shares, selling more. Uh, I don't like AMC. Some people do uh, definitely do your research. Try to find out how they're going to generate money going into the future. The way to make money in the stock market is to find companies that are going to be experiencing growth and holding them through that growth. That's how you, that's the safest way yeah. to make money in the stock market. What what stocks do you recommend people buy right now? GameStop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just GameStop. It's so, the only yeah, one. I'm going to buy a bunch of them. You said it was 20 bucks right now? Yeah, Around like 20, like $22, 22 23 like Yeah, I'm going to buy some today for sure. Hell yeah. See, I'm glad well, you can't buy today. You told me to sell them. <laughs> you can't buy today. You got to wait for the market to open. You remember that? How many do you have? Though? I have like four or five. Like, I don't have shit. You're going to be rich, bro. I'm telling you. No, but uh, uh, a couple, you know, when it was like $300 or something like that, for, uh, 350 or something like that, Tony was like, dude, sell them. You're not going to get that. He's like, I was like, I just want to wait. I heard it's going to go to a thousand. I heard it's going to go to a thousand. And he's like, and you, you were right to hold it, though. Yeah. You were right. Like from an investment perspective, you were right. To think that the value was going to keep increasing because it would have yeah. if it weren't for but the I, unprecedented crime that took place. When they cut it off, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. He's like, okay, you, you're not going to be worth that much soon. I was like, oh, right. dude, everybody was telling me to sell. Everybody. Yeah. This whole time, two and a half years, everybody I know sell that stock. Sell, well, sell, what sell. Is, when you, when, So when your portfolio did get up to a million, million three, like... Did your wife tell you to sell it? But she was she like, was like, babe, you've, I, so I was reading Reddit every single day yeah. for like eight to 12 hours a day. Oh, wow. Every day for two years I did that shit. I don't do it like that anymore. But she was like, babe, you know what's going on way more than I do. Yeah. So you do what you think is right. Oh, okay. How hard was it not to sell? Was that a one? one well, point three? you know, you try to think about what you can do with the money. And with my business, I owe more than $1.3 million in debt. So yeah. like, even if I had sold all, so this is like once in a lifetime, it's bigger than once. It's like once in a thousand year event going yeah. on. You know, the last one was, uh, the transfer of wealth in France that they had in 1400s, 1500s, whenever it was. Uh, so, do I, I've got this opportunity. I'm holding these shares. These guys are stuck in this position. They're going to have to buy them back from me. I can take 1.3 million right now. 
and then spend it to pay off some of my debt through my business. You know, it didn't really, I couldn't make that jive in my head. And I was like, no, I know this business is going to be worth more in the future. I'll just hold it as long as I have to Mm -hmm. until it's enough to really be for me, life changing money. Yeah. I mean, 1.3 million is definitely life changing money, even for me, but I just couldn't reconcile how, you know, all the people that I owe money to would come after that immediately and be like, I I need that. You owe me that. Mm. And I did. And I do still owe people money. Uh, and I didn't want to use it on that, I guess. So that's a smart. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just doing my monthly payments to everybody now, keeping it all yeah. like it's supposed to be, you know, just like the GameStop thing never even happened. And I just hold it and I check every now and then to see what's going on with it. Found out on Friday, they just released their new flagship store in Milan, Italy. It's this big three story thing. So uh, I have my own theory of GameStop becoming what's called a brick and click. Uh, This is something that my MBA professor of my capstone class had introduced to me. And it's like, uh, so if Amazon is the click part, they're an e-commerce company Mm -hmm. and Walmart is the brick and mortar part. Uh, They're both retail. A brick and click is like putting those two businesses together. And there's a huge amount of synergy that comes when you do that. Uh, So that's what I think GameStop is working towards and their new store in Italy looks like it could definitely play into that. They've got this three story set up on the bottom basement floor. It's like PC gaming, VR gaming, tabletop gaming for Dungeons and Dragons and different stuff. That's in store. You go there and play the games. Then they had this middle floor, which was just like covered in screens. And it looked almost like a little dance club thing. And uh, dudes are handing out hors d'oeuvres and shit. And I was like, hell yeah. I'm sure that was probably for the store opening. But uh, they've got the actual store up on the third floor. And it looks really impressive. And uh, I can't wait for them to start rolling that model out here in America. Yeah, almost because like I I think gaming cafes, gaming lounges could be huge. Yeah, like a coffee shop kind of vibe. Yeah, where it's like, hey man, you know, I could do this at home, but I kind of need to change the scenery, so I'm just going to go up to the GameStop and for the social aspect out. of it. Games are and getting even more social as, yeah, as yeah. time goes on. Thing, that, that's the one thing that I kind of don't like about video games now is. Uh, you gotta have you, friends. You, it, well, and you, you don't sit have at your house. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta sit at your house and you play games. And you never like really get any social interaction outside of on headset, right? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, when you go to your friend's house, think when you were a little kid and you went and spent the night with your friends and you guys got some game, you stayed up all night playing Blank, and stuff. Yeah. Well, you don't go to your friend's house anymore. Nobody goes to their friend's house and stays the night anymore. Everybody just, hey man, like let's hop on Call of Duty or whatever it is and we're gonna talk to each other. Well, all right, like. Let's go meet up mm. at the GameStop and we're going to sit here and we're going to play video games. But you're there and I'm here and like we're playing video games, but we're still socially interacting. Yeah. And like when this hot girl walks by, we can turn around and check that out and like make jokes about it and stuff like that. Whereas this is just a different vibe than just sitting at your house doing it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do. But I like, just imagine if they that. did. I'm right. saying that they're we doing it. It'd be because, something you go to. It'd be like yeah. a, a 2022 arcade. Mm. And their equipment will be all the latest and greatest. It'll be better than what average people can really pay to afford. Yeah. And uh, it'd be a great spot for like kids after school or whatever uh, to go play VR that they can't access at home or. Yeah. Or like it, you, you don't have the newest Xbox and you want to go check it out. Like go up there and you just play go with your friends, you like hang it. out. Right. Like I can't. I have the PlayStation 3 or something. I can't afford the PlayStation 5. Well, they have PlayStation 5s up there. So I can't play some of these games with my friends unless I go up there. So I just go up there. 
Yeah. And I don't yeah, know that You like, just rent the video game from them while you're there or whatever. Like the E, like the, like the, um, the cafe thing, idea thing, you know, that, that's going to be big here too. When that's, when that starts finally rolling out, like the legit way. Yeah. yeah. And just you think what you were saying about your esports, like, mm-hmm. man, that's like, like going to watch party. it live. Like everybody goes to Hooters or Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the UFC yeah. fights. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to go to the GameStop and all the screens mm-hmm. that he's talking about having on the, the certain floor. Well, because like on the esports thing, um, you know, Madden obviously was the first one, right? That they kind of took off, and now you have like uh, Fortnite that's really getting big, and a couple other uh, first-person shooter games. ESPN is one hundred percent behind this. They mm-hmm. see the potential it's going to be in, in ten years. Like I was watch, I think it's in August when um, they really when they do the Madden tournament every year, and it's on like prime time time on ESPN one mm-hmm. that's huge yeah well gaming's a 300 billion dollar a year market yeah and it's only growing and i mean that's huge that's one of the biggest markets out there for anything and it's only getting bigger every year there are three billion players gamers people that played video games either mobile or on console yeah. or on pc and and that was like in 2020 there were three billion or maybe 21 or just 20. think how Shit, inclusive it is like you know we we're talking about earlier the grizzlies playing today against the, the Lakers, like not everybody's going to reach that level of being able to play unless you're like six, eight and you can jump out of the gym. Like, what are you doing playing basketball, man? Like, it's fun. Yeah, you can do it. But anybody can be a professional esports basketball player. Like you, you can be a little, you know, five foot three Asian person, 120 pounds. It's like, dude, you would never make it in the NBA. But now all of a sudden, like you can actually make money playing a video game, doing basketball, playing 2k or something. Yeah. yeah. Playing anything like that. And the money, the money is getting bigger and bigger in some of these smaller tournaments too, man. Like I know that overwatch tournament, the grand prize team ended up winning like 3 million or something like that. And it was probably, it, yeah, probably. It, was, it, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Prizes, the prizes keep getting bigger yeah. and bigger every year. And like, you know, monsters on board too. Cause a lot of ads, oh, hell yeah. the monsters were really behind like yeah. e-sports e- e- and stuff like that. There's a, there's a streamer. His name's Doctor Disrespect. He's yeah, like super famous. Like, he's a real funny dude. Uh, he's actually doing an NFT based game. Like he created a, a a gaming company to build a game that utilizes the NFT idea, and that's really where like I think the the gaming industry is going. I don't buy much into the NFTs that they've got now. It's a bunch of stupid pictures, and, and like you get you ask yourself why there's so much hate on it. If it's like, if you don't care, then why are you constantly putting out articles to hate on it if it doesn't directly threaten, them. threaten yeah. something you got? But imagine this. like So right now, there's no such thing as digital ownership. right? If you play Call of Duty and you buy you know the Tyler Durden Fight Club skin, yeah. okay? well, you own that skin. You can use it, but you're basically renting the skin. Activision or whoever designed that skin, that's who got the money. So whenever it comes time, you get tired playing with that skin and you want to play with the, the jack-o'-lantern head skin or whichever one it is. Well, what are you going to do with the Tyler Durden skin? It's no, just going to sit in, in, your, your, in your inventory. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like, if I was like, bro, sell that to me, and you're like, well, I can't. But if we had that through NFTs, yeah, I could buy that from you. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, I own that skin. <clears throat> and you got to ask yourself, though, it's like, well, why would Activision want you to be able to sell it to me? If I really, really want that skin... Then I got to buy it from Activision. I can see. I can like, see that's that. Not, yeah. That's not helping your customer out, mm-hmm. right? Like you want to be a good customer service type business, which most giant gamer. If you ever play any games and find out how many cheaters there are that 
they do nothing about fixing. They're not really so concerned about making sure you have a good time as how much money they're making. However, just imagine if there was a game that came out where it was like, oh, wow, I could digitally own assets and sell them on some marketplace for whatever the going rate would be. I can definitely see that coming. Well, it's, it's, it's already it's, come it's, out. Yeah. That's, that's like, what the NFT marketplace is really going to be. Yeah. At first, yeah. It's going to start with skins and all. And I mean, it, it's already there. They're already doing it. There have already been a couple games released in beta mode. Uh, but there's one called Kiraverse. That's like a direct replacement for Fortnite. And Epic, the company that owns Fortnite, runs Fortnite, whatever, uh, they are involved in the production of Kiraverse. So this Epic Games, this they're one of the biggest gaming yeah. publishers out there. They are directly involved in this movement to NFTs. Now imagine this idea. Let's say you're a little kid and you're playing, you know, Fortnite or Kiraverse or Zelda that's about to come out, whichever one it is. Let's say just Zelda, for example. And while you're running around in this world, you're opening up chests and loot boxes and stuff like that. And the creators of Zelda have put 10 magical swords just in the, the world for random people to find. And you find that sword and it does whatever you want it to do. Or if you don't want that sword, you can go on the NFT verse and sell it to somebody who really, really wants that sword. There are only 10 of them. You have, it's like the Charlie mm. and chocolate factory yeah. golden ticket. Now all of a sudden it's pay to play. So if I'm a little kid or an adult, and I'm like, man, not only did I want to play Zelda anyway, but if I grind and grind and grind and open up all these chests, there's a chance that I might find some specialty item that I can take and go sell on an open market for $100, $1,000 for playing the game that I was already going to play anyway. Now, all of a sudden, that makes me more interested to want to play that game. I'm going to put more hours into that game. So whenever I if I'm a game developer and I'm going to get ready to sell this game, how can we attract more people to be interested in buying this game? Well, do something like that. It doesn't cost you any money to put 10 or whatever, 100 random suits of armor just in various places that randomly pop up. Like there's no rhyme or reason why you open the chest yeah. and you got it other than that was the time for it to open up. So it's almost like a lottery. And then you go and sell it. To us three, if we want it and we get into a bidding war about it, what didn't cost that company any money at all? And if that company wants to, they'll make 3% off the sale of that item. Yeah, they get to make money on every transaction. Just to grind for pay to play. And then they made more money off that item that you sold on the marketplace as well. Why would you not do that? Yeah. <clears throat> it just makes too much sense. Now, all of a sudden, now that we've said it and spoken into existence, you're going to see all these articles that are like, why NFTs are the downfall of everything? <laughs> yeah. why should get and then you're going to ask yourself, like, devil. Yeah. why? Why are they saying that? Unless it it threatens what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they want you to be able to sell some skin on your gun? I never thought about that, man. Like when we buy like things on like from like, the store, right? you know, like yeah. the download content, and stuff like, that, like the skin and stuff, or yep. like a silence for your gun, like. That's it. Once the new one comes out, you get in the new one. The other That's one's right. going to sit in your inventory, like you said. That's right. Yeah. I never thought about that before. You could turn them back into cash. And then, if, like, say Tony played video games, like, then he would, if he wanted that, he, he'd have to buy it himself. So that's right. more money for Activision instead of me just saying, hey, here, you go to here, I'm, I'm going to give it to you over here. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly. I never thought about that, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And just so imagine if they all of the game developers 
were running on the same, like developing software, let's say the, the same Tyler Durden skin that I was talking about. Hey, I bought that through here, but then that's my skin. So I can be that character. That's my character in Zelda instead of playing as the main character there mm-hmm. running around playing in Zelda as Tyler Durden. Now that's obviously like, a lot of technology has to be involved with that, but like, man, look where we are now with technology. Who's to say we couldn't do that? Yeah. Well, that's, it's already coming out with these beta games that GameStop partners have released. They're already doing a program like that. Uh, and there have been vendors, these guys specifically pop up that make interoperable assets. So you can use it between every single game. In fact, I already own some of them. Uh, I have six NFTs. One of them is this right to mint a character so I can get it like an avatar and I could use that same avatar in any future game that comes out that works in this system. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So we're talking about all this stuff right now. It's creating excitement and all that. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that in the last 10 minutes that, oh yeah, they're oversold on this stock by like, I know. So 5, yeah, this is, the, this is the backdrop that yeah. these guys so, so are stuck just, in. Yeah, This is just where like, like a company like GameStop, could be going and behind Ryan Cohen, they are heading in that direction. Everything that they're doing is aiming them towards the stuff like we're talking about, which you can just imagine in your mind, the potential that's behind all that stuff. That's not even to mention all, all the separate. underhanded stuff yeah. that had gone on with the stock. So it's all separate. So it's like the stock is going to be valuable. We just don't know when nothing done to it. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, we're talking about uh, like, Amazon, like, you know, for legitly, I thought GameStop was the next one that's going to be right. gone forever. It was. You know, like, because every time I went to the GameStop over here on Park or the one in like, Germantown, they never had shit, man. Right. Like, you know, it's like, what is this? Tra- Why do I even waste my time coming here? I'm just going to stop buying from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just trash. It sure this looks like shit. Like, you know, they don't ever have any good products like to buy or figures or anything. I'm like, man, fuck this. Amazon and it. Like, while I'm in my car, literally sitting in the parking lot of GameStop, I'm buying it on Amazon, you know? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the way that Amazon operated. Uh, in lots of different industries. Uh, well, I'll say it looks like that. I don't know for sure because who does, but it sure looks like they, and again, Jeff Bezos was a hedge fund guy himself. So I'm sure he knew people, uh, that may or may not have been short on all these other different companies that just so happened to go bankrupt right as Amazon is moving into these different market segments for all sorts of different products and shit and like every other competitor out there gets shorted into bankruptcy and it's like well i still have to buy that shit there's nowhere else to go i guess i'll have to get it on amazon yeah and then they send you fake shit anyways (laughs) yeah it's crazy you go back and look at all these companies we're talking about and the spider web where it all kind of leads back to like oh such and so hedge fund manager started working for such and so consulting group Mm-hmm. Who was then appointed to such and so board of directors for a company that then goes out of business. And, and so like you just keep on like following the tendrils back and it all leads to like, wow, this is like some serious manipulation. Yeah. It's real. And, and the thing is like, man, I'm not like, I know we sit here just, I'm listening to Roth and I'm like, man, he still sounds crazy. <laughs> so I know, how, I know how it comes off. And, and like sometimes I think like, dude, I am crazy because like th- basically, we're walking into the gym. It's their, it's their gym. It's their ball. It's yeah. their court. They're making the rules. They're changing the rules as the game goes and we're catching on fast enough to continue beating them. At some point, they're just going to tell us, leave my gym. Yeah. And 
but that's what, what we're happened? doing. That's but, what we're doing what by happens? taking what does our that stocks mean? out. We just, we just like, we just leave the gym and, and like, well, that sucks. I can't play there anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that going to be what happens? Or does somebody step up and like hold the household investors, just your regular, you know, average Joe's. Hey man, like, let me be the voice for them because apparently nobody else will be and like actually do something about it. I think that investor is coming like that's going to not play by their rules, but they've made all their money, you know, and now they want to help like the regular person. That's what Ryan Cohen was doing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he became a billionaire with Chewy. He sold Chewy to Petco for like $3 billion or I don't know how much he got, but he became a billionaire. He could have just sailed off into the sunset, never Mm -hmm. heard from him again. But no, he chose to get into GameStop and turn this company around, knowing that these guys were trying to actively put it into bankruptcy. So he fucked their whole program up on purpose and then told everybody on Reddit all about it. Well, he doesn't post on Reddit. He posts these cryptic tweets that are most of the time really funny. But uh, other people started telling everybody on Reddit about the whole thing. So uh, that guy's got my respect for life. Yeah, I would say, honestly, I mean, aside from what all we talked about with the the idea of what GameStop could be, any company could be that. Anybody that just decided all of a sudden, like, hey, us four guys come together and we decide, like, we're just going to create an esports like business and then mm -hmm. it takes off. The footing is already there for GameStop. And because you've already got, like I said earlier, this massive following that's like, whatever GameStop does, I'm going to take part in it. So they've already got the market advantage over everybody else. But more important than any of that, more important than the short squeezes, all that stuff, I think that Ryan Cohen, and here's the cool thing about GameStop, is they pay their their upper-end employees instead of, like, ridiculous salaries, they pay them in stocks. 100%. And so you see, you see a lot, like, Elon Musk, you see him, like, selling a lot of his Tesla stock and stuff like that. GameStop is exactly the opposite. They don't want anybody selling the stock that works for the company. Because they want, if you believe in this company, not only will you not sell your stock because you believe it's going up, but you'll go out right now and buy more. Mm-hmm. And you see that happening time and time again, right? And people don't, these guys have money. People with money don't buy stocks and things to lose money. Mm-hmm. Right. So if these guys who are in charge of the business are willing to take the money and, and instead of salary, stock options, they have a belief in something, and they're a lot smarter than I am. And I've seen them proven through other companies and in the couple of years that I've been paying attention. Like, I believe in those guys. They are not they're not trying to make themselves poor. So even if it's self-serving, they want the stock price to go up as well because then they themselves will be that much richer. Mm. Okay? So, I'm just, man, I'm riding their coattails. Yeah. They have an incentive to make money. Exactly. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it can, it can, be frustrating to like read all this stuff and and see all what goes on in real time through the news and and how quickly that like regulators are able to like change rules to make things happen for banks and wealthy people, whereas it takes months and years and just drags on and on for anything to happen with just normal people. <laughs> But I mean, like, you know, that's a tale as old as time, mm. you know, like the, that's just how it is. Okay? Yeah. And I don't want to sit here and, and be some social justice warrior of like, <laughs> oh, it's not fair. Cause like, let's be honest, like, man, I'm, I would like to be rich too. Yeah. You can't beat them, join them. Right. Yeah. 
Um, problem is, is like to be able to join them, you kind of got to beat them, mm. and they just they would rather die than live like any of us live, which is a really like sick, sad thing to do, especially when you think of these people. They they collect money throughout the centuries and, and generations, and they lock it off in some vault, and their only goal is to make sure it's bigger when when they die than it was whenever they were yeah. born. It's like, you know, you're not even doing anything with the money. Like, you're not contributing to society in any kind of way. You're just hoarding it, basically mm-hmm. like some kind of a dragon, right? And it's all because your buddy and you – like, you seen Trading Places, yeah. Dan Aykroyd and, yeah. and Eddie Murphy. It, dude, how on the nose that movie actually is is almost scary. And that movie was made in, like, the 80s. So this stuff is not new. Yeah. This has been going on since – the 30s, I guess, whenever the, the stock market really became, you know, run by the Fed. So it's not anything new and it's been the same way status quo for so long. That's why it's like, hey, man, I'm cautiously optimistic that something will happen. But if it doesn't, it never has before. Right. So why would I think it's going to change now? Other than, hey, the more eyes you can get on it, the more people that you can get their torches and pitchforks lit up like. Yeah, man, you know, at some point they're going to have to do something. Yeah. It's a wild ride y'all are on, man. Man, I'm telling you, and it gets crazier every day. Tony, it's the greatest you? show on earth. Mm-hmm. What's in your Robin Hood? No, I think I like Amazon. Um, Sorry, Rivian. I don't mean to be shit talking to your company. <laughs> <laughs> Rivian. What? What is Lucid. that? Lucid. They're like two Tesla computers. Um, I don't know. some random stuff. I have some like crypto shit in there too. I got a uh, WWE like yeah, wrestling. Yeah, I got them. Um, oh, I need to look at how much it's worth now because you know they just got bought by Endeavor. Yeah, UFC. UFC. Yeah. yeah so uh, cash that shit out by GameStop. <laughs> and then um, I got oh, fuck. I got this one uh, company from India. I, I mean, they make like I don't even know what it's called, but it, I bought it for like fifty cents. And now it's worth like three dollars each, and I think I have fifty of them. Hell yeah! I was like, yeah, that's a I win. Got, I got excited when I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Well, then the problem with like investing in anything, not not because these companies aren't good companies. It's yeah. just that like even the companies are good companies, and you can go read all about this as well. This is you take my word for it, or you can. There's actually information out there that if you want to ingest it, it's there for you to be had. Now it takes a lot of time. You got to sift through a lot of stuff. But the problem with investing in any stock or company right now is no matter how much you believe in them, what they do doesn't really control their price. So they can be the best company in the world if they're not on the good side of what market some of these makers. hedge funds mm. and market makers wants. Well, then they're not going to take off. And you can even see that through some of the like television shows that come on like CNBC or something like that. They'll take good companies and they'll go out there and they'll just like falsify statements and say things about the companies. And then the companies tank. And, you know, after the company's like gone out of business, 30 days after that, they'll come back and be like, oh, we're sorry. We, we misspoke mm-hmm. on something. And it's like, well, company's out of business now. Yeah. Yeah. Awful convenient that these big financial media firms are also owned by some of the biggest hedge funds in the world. Mm-hmm. Owned by the same people. Which is why, like, honestly, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. So I feel like I'm properly hedged. Like I've got money in a 401k that I feel like at any moment now is just going to like burn to the ground. And I've 
like fought with myself time and time again. Like I got to take that money out. Even if I got to pay the early withdrawal fee, even I got to pay taxes on it. Right. I need to get that money out. I need to get that money out and put it in what? I don't know. That's the problem is like, well, I could buy more GameStop, but I also feel like the, the amount of shares that I have in GameStop, I should be fine. So if the GameStop stuff does pop off, the downside to it is the market makers and hedge funds are going to have to sell off everything else to collect the money to mm. buy the shares of GameStop. So it's going to be pitched to the media who are owned by the hedge fund owners like, hey, these GameStop holders are are being greedy. They're the reason that your pension program has collapsed. These are the reasons that you can't afford your house and all that stuff. And it's like, nah, man, like if our system is such that I can just buy and hold on to a stock and all of this bad stuff happens, then maybe that was a bad system. Don't blame me for what you set up. I'm I'm investing. Yeah. I, I believe in this. I'm, but, not, but that, I'm not holding GameStop to put anybody out of business or to crash any system or anything. I'm holding GameStop because I believe in where this company is going. I believe it'll be more valuable in the future than it is today. And that's what investing is. Yeah. But if if the as that goes up, well, the money that goes into GameStop has to come from somewhere. So it's going to come from your apples and all this and that. So that's kind of the, the issue is all right, you can buy other stocks. But if this one goes up, then these are going to go down, which is why I have the GameStop stock. And I also have my 401k because I feel like I'm properly hedged. If mm-hmm. GameStop goes up, it's going to wipe out whatever losses I have with my 401k. Oh, OK, I see but if, my four, if GameStop goes down and my and, and all this is yeah. just a facade, we're just lying to ourselves. Then I still got my 401k and we're just going to keep on being business as usual. And at some point, the returns are going to come back because these guys are going to keep making crime. And even though I only maybe get 8% a year when they're making 40% a year off my money, well, at least I get the 8%. Right? True. So that's kind of, you're kind of handcuffed into, well, how much do I believe in it? And it, I believe in GameStop a lot. I also, believe in evil and the way that these people are operating are like, and it's never been, they've never been stopped before. What makes me think they're going to stop now? But it doesn't stop me from also like, Hey man, it doesn't mean I don't want these people to, I necessarily fail, but get their comeuppance. Right. And then even like we talked about, even if there was a 10% movement, which wouldn't upset anything, you're still looking at like $10,000 a share on GameStop. Now, I don't want that to be the limit of where it is, but if it, you know, you got four or five shares right now, if it went to $10,000 and you had another 50 grand. Yeah, you're going to sell that shit. Yeah. Wouldn't you be happy? Mm-hmm. Unless there was something compelling enough to make you hold on to it. Like yeah. the speed at which it got to yeah, that like price. Yesterday will it, it keep at, going? Yesterday it was at 3000 Today's at ten. What's it doing tomorrow? Tomorrow's going to be at like thirty two. Damn. Which, if everybody holds, that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but even if most people don't hold, it's still what's going to happen. Because, like I said, I believe they've sold billions of these synthetic shares back. Once they start buying those back, it will create such a momentum that it won't even matter if these 200,000 people that are holding it sell. Even though I think it's much more than 200,000. There's 200,000 that are holding it directly in their own names. I think there's still lots of people holding shares in brokerages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading in January of 21, 
uh, from MSNBC or something, 28% of Americans bought GameStop or 28% of Americans bought a meme stock at the time when GameStop was really the only meme stock. That's like 90 million people. And that's Jesus. just America. That's not even counting any oh, of the other. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they've sold billions of synthetic shares into the market. Back then, there were only supposed to be 76 million shares in existence. But there were 90 million Americans that bought <laughs> shares. Even if everybody only bought one. Yeah. There's obviously an issue here. <laughs> yeah. And I sure didn't buy just one. Yeah. It's wild. Absolutely insane. And these people are going to have to buy these shares back at some point. Uh, it's like a loan. They took a loan and they have to pay it back at some point. And they can change all the rules they want to. But at the end of the day, whoever they borrowed that money from is going to want it back. And the issue right now is, like, what's taking so long? Like, why? Why isn't anybody doing anything about it? It's because the, they're self-regulating. So the very same people who are doing this are the ones that are supposed to be scolding themselves. How much sense does that make? Right? And then you go to your government and you say, hey, government, do something about it. Well, like, who are the lobbyists that yeah, pay yeah. for the campaign? The government works for the 1% much more yeah. than, than it works for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so you're just in this kind of battle where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to throw a little bit of money into it just to to stick it to these guys. Right? And, and they might outlast me. And they probably will. But... I'm at least going to go down swinging. Yeah. They're going to ask outlast me. Well, <laughs> that's why, that, man, I, I would Ron tell you, like, I ain't never selling my well, shit. I'm not, man. I'm not. I, I might not either, but that's why I would say anybody that is interested in investing in GameStop, like, don't don't put anything in there that you can't afford to sit on oh, for yeah. a minute. Because, like, if you're you're like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to, like, get my house paid for next month because I took all that money and put it in the GameStop, well, then, then don't put it in there. Hmm. But, I mean, Imagine like we're saying this, man, if you just took like a hundred bucks and threw it in there and you bought yourself like five shares and directly register them, that's five shares in your name. So that if it, if it went to a million dollars, you got $5 million right there. So not saying that that's going to happen, but like, dude, you hundred bucks, you can take a chance on it. Yeah. Man, it's like I mean, Kevin I mean, Malone from the office said, if anybody offers you 10,000 to one odds on anything, you take that bet. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's a, a lot better likelihood that this happens than you win in the lottery. People still buy Panama yes. tickets all the time. No, this all, all, all the time. Right? So, yeah, and, you know, people ask upsetting. me a, about Bitcoin a lot. And uh, I really don't know a whole lot about cryptocurrency. I know some. Uh, but when the Bitcoin argument comes up, I, I prefer to have something real backing my store of value. If Bitcoin is a store of value, uh, for me... GameStop shares are a much better store of value because they've got an actual tangible asset behind them. They're mm. backed up by this massive company that's only going to be continuing to grow. I can't say that about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is only worth what it is because people agree that that's what it's worth. Just like people agree that the U.S. dollar is worth what it's worth, even though now you're seeing people start to disagree with that at a rapid pace. So uh, I would much rather have my money, my future wealth, my kids' college fund, my retirement. I would much rather have that backed up by a real hard asset than by just ones and zeros on a computer. But there's nothing wrong with any of that. I mean, if Bitcoin's your jam, then that's your jam. It, it's you got to do your own research and find what what 
fits you best, I guess. What fits your philosophy the best? I don't know. But it's true. I don't know about Bitcoin. So when it's when the stock is registered in your name, they have to if when you sell it, they have to pay you what it's currently worth that. They can't they can't cut you off or whatever. Right, right. So when it's in your name, uh nobody can just take that asset away from you. Got you. But when you have these brokerage shares that are not in your name, they can take them away from you. Yeah. And, and computer share is super legit. I think that's like who Coca-Cola uses. Disney uses them. I think maybe Exxon, Apple does uh, too. Apple. So like they're like they're for real. Uh, it's a very real company. Yes. They're yeah. run out of Australia, but uh, they've got offices everywhere. Yeah. So it's not like it's some fly by night kind of program. No. It's and they like, don't, they don't even hold, they won't hold money for you. You know, if you have a brokerage account and you sell some shares, they hold the money for you in that brokerage account until you either choose to pull it out or buy some more stock with it. Oh yeah. But computer share won't even do that. So, I mean, it's not like they're even managing any of your money. They're not They're All they are is a step between the issuer, which is the company itself and market participants, which is everybody that wants the stock. So they're the company gives their shares to uh, the transfer agent and it's the transfer agent's job to divvy them up correctly. It's like a service that they pay for. Uh, and so all computer share really does is just put your name on a file that says you own this. And that's better than what you can get at brokerages. Yeah. Or the DTCC who will just yeah. decide that well, we don't have enough. So <laughs> yeah. just we'll give you this. type in numbers. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot, man. It, it is, is a lot. I've learned, I've learned a lot today. I know. Well, and I was trying to tell you, if we had to do more than one of these, we, we could. Because each one of these issues that we touched on you know we've done a pretty garbage job at giving full details about why it is and uh why it doesn't have to be this way with all these different things uh but when i was doing all this reading on reddit years ago that's the kind of shit that we were getting information on almost every single day you were getting these real thick heavy financial i mean like top level finance stuff that i mean you i would call the broker and ask to direct transfer at asked to direct register my shares and the people on the other end of the phone that worked for the broker didn't even know what it was. They didn't even know that it was possible to get shares in your own name. Everybody just assumes your shares are, of course they're going to be in your name in the broker. Well, they're not. Mm. And, uh, it blew my mind, man. Yeah, it blew it was, my that, mind. That's what's crazy is, is like whether or not you trust the internet, which personally I don't, but like the people that are on the subreddit, who are like writing these and guest investigative type pieces, they're like, man, they are finance people or they're lawyers or yeah. they, they are anything. I mean, maybe they're students, maybe they're mathematicians and like they all come with their own knowledge from each corner of the mm-hmm. earth and it's there to be read. And like, you can take it or leave it. And the thing is, is like, because it's an online community, it is so scrutinized and peer reviewed by the people who are reading this saying, no, no, in the third paragraph, you said this, this is what I know to be true. And I can give you real evidence and proof. Mm. And so if just because you throw something out there doesn't mean everybody takes your word for it. Like it's reviewed and like gone through with the finest of tooth combs. And so the things that are out there are really legit, whether you want to believe them or just take them and use them as a piece of information to help you make your own conclusions but what you'll start to notice is like you go back and read through all of the stuff that's been put out there. 
the stuff is it's like starting to come into fruition. And that's the thing for me where it's like, wow, so-and-so said that the dollar was going to start around this time really doing this. And the next thing that's going to happen is this. And the next thing that's going to happen is that. So whether that really happens or not, when that second thing happens, the, the first thing's already been proven. When the second thing happens, I'm not going to be like running around in a panic because I'm like, oh, wow, somebody yeah. said exactly this was yeah, going to happen. And that's happened coming. so many times already that like, wow, I mean, like I can argue with it all I want to, but the proof is in the pudding. It happened. It is. So there's just some puppet master behind the scenes like as crazy as it sounds man there is a small group of people that control the entire world yeah yes that is so wild man. it is it is but uh i mean if you were able to create your own system or uh you know if you were one of the world's elite and most powerful and whatever wouldn't you try to do everything you could to obscure the fact that it was just you and your buddies in this big club just extracting wealth from the rest of the world one small trade at a time uh you would absolutely want to paint everybody and anybody that says that as a crazy lunatic and I'm aware that's what I sound like. I get told that <laughs> enough. Uh, but this is not conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy fact. And you can verify these facts on your own. And uh, I spent a lot of time doing it because I wrestled with it, too. I mean, this is a shitload of money to me that I've got in this. This is my family's future. And uh, I'm not just going to throw that around all willy nilly like uh, yeah. without at least doing my homework on it. And uh, when I started looking into it, I was like, holy shit, this is 100% legit. This is very much happening right here under our noses. And somebody does not want us to know about it. And why? Why would they not? Because yeah, they stand to lose everything and, in the event yeah. that it's successful. Yeah. And and so, like, I am also aware of the idea that, like, man, if if you th think about red cars, every time you go outside, you're like, man, there's a red car. There's some got something about these red cars. Or you think of a certain number or whatever, like that is a phenomenon and it does happen. Yeah. But like Agreed. at some point, it can't just continue to be coincidence whenever it's like, all right, now not only was there a red car outside with the number 23 in the license plate and this and this and this. At some point, it's just like, OK, once I would understand. Mm -hmm. But like this is just this happens. This is a thing. Yeah. So it's not like. Oh, I'm being brainwashed or like I'm a part of some cult or anything like that. It's like, nah, these, this happens. This is, this is real thing. And they're not even denying it. They're just kind of so blatant about it because there's nobody stopping them. There's nothing you can do about it, which is why it will make you angry. If I were having the wool pull over my eyes and you guys were just like, ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, man. You're a crazy person. I'd be like, well, maybe I am. But then whenever you go look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, it's it's so <laughs> obvious. Like, why isn't anyone doing anything about it? You just like shrug your shoulders and like, I, I don't know. Man. Better, yeah. better direct register some more shares. Yeah. <laughs> and so like it, everybody, anybody that's listening to this right now or you guys across the table, they're like, man, those guys were nuts. Those two dudes that we just had in there, like go read into it and then tell me like, oh, wow. Yeah. And whether or not you want to put your money in a GameStop is neither here nor there. The the idea that all people are doing is that old adage that like all oh, those Wall Street people are you know crooked or bankers and politicians are crooked. 
it's like, no, here's the evidence. Here's the proof. Here's the forms that you here. And here's how to read those forms that give you the evidence and the proof that like they are. Here's what people actually meant when they said those things. So instead of just taking their word for it, here's the proof and here's how you read about it. And here's how you understand what these things are saying and how they affect you. And at that point you'll start being mad because it's like, wow, that's not fair. Like, it, it seems like only one side of this equation is gets the advantage here. Like even in times when I'm right, they're right. Mm. But even in times when I'm wrong, they're still right. And even in times when they're right or when they're wrong, I'm wrong as well. So it, it has nothing to do with what companies I believe in and put my money into in stocks or how I think the world should work. It's this is how it is. And there's nothing you can really do about it until now. There is like, I'll just take all this money that you guys need and I'll put it over here and let the whole world see you in this lie. And if, if nothing happens at that point, well then I just got to walk away and say, you know, I gave my best shot. Right. If the whole world says, we see that you guys are illegally synthetic, synthetically selling shares and shorting to oblivion, all these companies, with bad faith and nobody cares, well then, you know, it is what it is. That's the world we live in. I just don't want to believe that nobody's going to care. Like I have, like people care. Yeah. And the problem is, is that no one knows, like no one has taken the time to like look into it. And so uh, hopefully people will go look into it and, and draw whatever conclusions they want to, Yeah. but at least they'll have the information right now. The problem is, and, and the, market makers and hedge fund owners and all the people, they want it to be so convoluted and complicated that you just like, you look at it and it's Greek. So you walk away and you're like, yeah. I'll trust that those guys know what they're doing. Well, if you start looking into it, you're going to know that like, Oh wow, this is, this is a rig system. Yeah. I think ignorance is bliss. Definitely. You know, it's like, definitely. if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. It definitely is. And you just keep wondering, why does shit keep getting worse? Yeah. Why are things so fucked up in the world? Mm -hmm. Man, that's so crazy. It is. It's like even like, um, like they always talk about a crash is coming. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not like a hurricane or an earthquake that's unpredictable, like when it's going to happen. That's something that somebody, it's a man-made system. So somebody behind the scenes is saying, okay, we got to make this shit fall apart. Mm-hmm. And it's like they want you to eat just enough, but not. They want you to have crumbs, but they don't exactly. want you to have a whole meal. Exactly. It's it's fucked up, man. It really is. It's not right. Uh, you when, can't when, have free or fair markets when you've got that kind of arrangement of ownership set up. And, uh, and the, the saddest part is, man, is like you're saying, they just want you to have crumbs. Dude, there's plenty of food out there for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so take, take one of your turkey legs away from your banquet feast. There you just, go. Just share it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're not even asking you to not eat. We're just saying, hey, stop hoarding. Stop being the way that you are because these people are starving over here. Let yeah. Them have more for example, the, the market maker for GameStop is Citadel, and the guy that owns Citadel, uh, he got divorced in like 2018, 2019, something like that. And then the divorce filings, the wife was saying that he took home after taxes $68 million a month. A month, Jesus Christ. 68 million a month. And that was like 2018, 2019 before the Fed started printing like crazy with COVID yeah. and all that. Jesus. Wow. 68 million a month. 
Meanwhile, everybody else struggling to make rent payment. That's yeah. fuck you money right there. Man. Yeah. Damn. And that's not, man, like, I'm not even a proponent to be like, oh, like, we need we need to all share the wealth and be a communist or something like that. No, dude, no like, that's you go just out and work hard. Extremely You, you deserve up. more. But, yeah. like, how hard do you have to work to be making $66 million a month? <laughs> like, bro, I've sweated in my day a couple times. <laughs> yeah. I ain't never got close to that. Damn. So it's, it's just like a... It's just a jacked up system, man. Wow. And it's not going to change unless somebody steps in to change it. And like, but and here's the opportunity. That's here's your opportunity. GameStop if is you the wanted, weapon. If you yeah. want to change anything, like the French Revolution, mm-hmm. the, the people stormed the Bastille. And back in whenever the collapse of the Roman Empire, you know, people toppled buildings. Well, in 2023, that's not really how things happen anymore. It's, hey, expose these people. Let everybody know that it's out there. Get this information like on everybody's TikTok page because that's where their eyes are glued to or Instagram or whatever. And then they'll actually start caring about it. Right now, nobody cares. Like you said, ignorance is bliss. And I mean, if nothing changes, it's just going to keep continuing. Do you think that people are too complacent or soft? Yes. And then that's why like people will say, man, this sucks. But like you said before, that's just how life is. So I know like like in the 70s, I think there was a thing when the gas went like super high and people were like, well, I'm not going to pay that. We're going to fucking walk to places yeah. or just not drive. And then the prices came down. But like even when it was gas got high here like during the, our current time, people just took it instead of saying this is not right. Right. You know, so we, I, don't, we don't protest. Yeah. Even like we certainly don't protest like the French do, but we we don't protest like even Americans used to do mm. anymore. I think we're all too busy, consumed with our cell phones and everything else. Yeah, I mean, look how expensive everything is at the grocery store. They, it's like, crazy. Oh, nine dollars like, for a dozen eggs. Yeah, man. Like I bought some eggs the other day. It was like it used to cost like a dollar for like eighteen Kroger eggs. Now it's like six or seven dollars for mm-hmm. the same exact egg. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, like, yeah. it's because the Fed keeps printing money and giving it away. Yeah. Like, I don't agree with what happened at the January sixth thing. Like, I think that was just kind of insane. But if everybody got together like that on like a peaceful basis and was like, hey, we're not going to take your shit anymore. Because it's like you said, there's more of us than there is of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like the whole thing of eat the rich. You know, oh, like, yeah. if people, like even, I know what was it people were doing back in the day, like the Occupy Wall Street thing, that whole yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. So and I that, think that, there's a lot that people can do. But I think people are so in their own world that they don't want to get collab together mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if if people are too complacent uh, as much as they're not aware of the gravity of these issues. They just have never been able to put the picture together to see how these issues really do impact every single one of our day to day lives all day, Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. You're interacting with these companies. Stocks are being manipulated, uh, but they're tracking all of your user data. They know everything you're going to do before you do it because they use algorithms to track all of your all your visits to every website. They know every text message you send. They see every picture. They know everything about you. So they can tell. In fact, this guy that owns the market maker for GameStop, he was kind of bragging in this little interview he did with CNN or whoever about how they're able to leverage that to figure out. They're able to leverage all that data analytics to figure out what people are going to do before they do it in the stock market. So they know when you're going to buy a stock before you do. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Have y'all used like ChatGPT for picking socks or anything no, like that? No, I haven't. Uh, is it a subscription service now? Uh, I think you can pay for like an updated version, so like yeah. you're not on the waiting list for the new versions that come out. But it's pretty much open source, so it's yeah. free. I haven't used it. I um, use but it. I, there I are use people it for in, certain things, but yeah. not for that. There, I'm starting for, to see people more and more, and it's specifically in our GameStop community are starting to use it more. It wrote the last. Uh, the headline? They wrote the headline, the tweet I wrote, and the description for the last podcast I did. I just gave it keywords, and it just mm-hmm. typed some shit out for me. Yeah. Saved me a bunch oh, of Oh, that's time. really... Damn. Yeah, yeah I've, I actually own a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school, and oh, okay. uh, I've got a... Uh, the guy that does like my website and all that put an AI, so it's like called BJJ Bot. Mm. And you just type in some random question, and it goes and scours the internet for like the answer very generic like questions and stuff yeah. and it'll email you back the i guess whatever the most common answer for that particular question mm-hmm. and so uh i'm starting to use ai a little bit but like i'm also kind of like i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> I just want to yeah they, I'm telling you, man, like, it's going to eventually learn. Like, the robots, like, iRobot movie, you know, with Smith, yeah. like, it's going to, if they start making robots like that, those yeah. shit, that, those, those things are going to come after us yeah. eventually. I saw, I saw yesterday this robot got tired. What? Like, it, it was doing too much work and it just collapsed. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> the robot revolution is upon us. Oh, my us. God. Oh, that's so fucking funny. You not started yet. Your job is to only work, motherfucker. Right? Get your ass up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But weren't we, the workers, supposed to benefit from all that? Weren't, weren't things Allegedly, supposed to be yeah. getting better for us as all of these this is gonna replace menial us. tasks <laughs> were taken over by robots? What happened? Because I know that was the whole thing with uh, oh, the Andrew Yang. What is it called? The, the universal basic income. Yeah. Like, I guess they were going to, like, have give you a supplement income if some AI or some robot took over your job or mm-hmm. But no, I don't think that. There's a restaurant. I forget. It might be like Denny's or something like that or Applebee's or whatever. They have like a robot that brings you your food. Like it's not even a food runner anymore. Like, well, I mean, yeah. you kind of think that's kind of like a Kroger and at Costco where they have the self-checkout. I mean, it's not an actual person re- uh, yeah. cashier anymore. No, they're making you do the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like part of the, the biggest problem right now is the inflation and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's number one, the the Fed printing all the money they did for the coronavirus. But then number two is mostly just corporate greed, mm. right? Like people are, hey, we made thirty million last year. If we don't make thirty one million this year, then our everybody's stock gonna price going to go down. It's so also like, the only way to do that is like well, we're going to make the same volume, so we got to raise our prices yeah. instead of innovating and like coming up with new ideas and stuff. It's just well, the easiest thing to do is just raise prices. Yeah, and we do it in a slow enough. It's like the frog sitting in the boiling pot of water, right? If we do it over slow enough over time, well, now you're you're starting to get to a point where like you guys are talking about. It's like and you go to the grocery store and stuff's expensive, man. Mm-hmm. And my job is not paying at the same rate yeah. that the the prices are going up. Yeah. If you're not getting a raise every single year that matches inflation, you are falling behind. Yeah. And in the past two years, inflation has risen 13.5%. So if you're not making 13.5% more today than you were two years ago, you're falling behind the curve. And it's only getting that, that curve is only getting more steep. It's like they say, the rich get richer, poor get poor. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Inflation well, is nothing if you're already super wealthy. Yeah. You, know, you don't care if the price of eggs goes from $4 to $9. Yeah. It doesn't. But, you know, when you're trying to budget and all you've got left over at the end of the month, $30 or something that you can spend on a movie ticket or whatever, uh, that's the people that really get hurt by this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you were talking about the basketball game. Like if they had a family, imagine taking their kid and all that to right? go. And then because kids don't know what money is. Or at least the concept of at certain ages. And they're like, well, I want popcorn. I want a memorabilia and all this sort of shit. It's like, I can't afford that. Right. And buying the ice cream, uh, eating the ice cream out of the uh, uh, batter's box helmet at a kid at the Rivers game is like $17 for like a little Damn. thing. Like, it's yeah. like this big. Yeah. Well, hey, at least you had to keep the helmet, though. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, no, we got ice cream at home, bitch. You know, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. We got your helmet. We use your helmet at home. You know, I've been suddenly thinking, like, Tony's Horner's been right, man. Like, family of four or five going to, like, a Grizzly, like, saying going, like, to a regular Grizzly game, like, not the playoff game, you know, even if you get cheap tickets, whatever, you know, you're going to have to buy soda or popcorn or whatever. You know, you're going to have to do that. Unless you're really good, you can sneak all that shit in. Like, some people can. Yeah. But, like, you're going to have to buy. You're going to have to spend three, $400 probably. Yeah, I can't take my – I got four four kids. I can't take them anywhere. Everywhere is too expensive. Yeah. I mean, even going to the movie is too expensive. Anything. It's hard to do anything other than, like, go to a park or play outside or do sports or that kind of thing. It's just too expensive to try to do anything at yeah. all. And but what's unfortunate about that is like, man, it wouldn't be that big of a deal for the seventeen dollar like ice cream helmet if instead of the median income of a family in Memphis being like fifty two thousand dollars, it was no, like one hundred nineteen thousand. Yeah, it's like okay, fine, we've got that extra money. As long as my salary goes up with inflation, I don't care what you charge. Just don't. It's all relative. And so with it kind of going not in inverse direction, but the price of inflation is way outpacing the the money that people get made or I mean, at some point that's got to give, right? People are going to grow more and more unhappy. Right. So, you know, what's the answer? Who knows? Right. I, I don't know that. Like, I just know that there's a lot of greed and corruption in the world. And like GameStop is the thing that kind of opened my eyes to it the most. And that's my chance to like, Hey, you want to do something about it? Here you go. Mm-hmm. Put your money where your mouth is. Either that or just shut up and keep on eating your $17 ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Go about your day. Yeah. Right. And if you're cool with that, then be cool with it. I and mean, nobody's, nobody's putting a gun to your head. But if you do care about that kind of stuff and you're like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Why is inflation going off like this? Why do the Fed, who are not a government entity, by the way, like they just conveniently chose a name to make you think they are, they're just a collection of bankers who decide what and when. So when it comes for bailouts, all their friends and family who work in these banks, they're just going to print more money, which means that every dollar that you have in your pocket is now worth less. So they're all in it together. The hedge funds, the market makers, the big time clearing houses, Uber rich. It's if you ever wanted to like strike back against them man, go buy some GameStop and put it in your name and just sit on it until Forever. Something happens. Yeah. And if nothing ever happens, hey, man, we tried. Yeah. Wow. If nothing ever happens, you live off the dividends. Well, if, if it's GameStop never, is going to become a big company. It, it is. And like the stuff that we talked about, like I wholeheartedly believe whether or not, to be frank, if this whole like 
short selling situation would just go away and the the overselling of synthetics GameStop would be yeah the price would be way more than it is now you, but the problem if is they that just these stopped guys are, fucking with it they got caught with their pants down and now they can't let it go if they were just like hey you know what we're just going to wash our hands of it we're going to give you guys a get out of jail free card just everything that you did before it doesn't count now just stop messing with it then GameStop would be like flying Hmm. But because of the situation, they're suppressing the price. They're suppressing the price. And as you know, as that pressure builds, something's going to give at some point. Or maybe it doesn't. So are they just hoping that everybody that's holding is just going to sell it at the cheapest rate? Yeah. They're hoping that everybody they, gets bored they, and walks away. That or they're hoping that they can just like hold on and hold on and hold on until the government or somebody steps in to bail them out or whatever. Yes. Ah, that's even fucked. That's even worse. But they can't, it's not like they can even do a one-time bailout because, uh, these people are losing so much money. They, when they short these shares, they borrow them. Well, it is a loan and you have to pay an interest rate on that loan. So these guys, Every day are having to continue to create more short positions, signing up for more borrowed money, more interest payments that they're going to have. These people are already needing bailouts just to meet the interest payment on the money that they borrowed. And that's why that's why I believe uh, some of these banks and hedge funds and everything have exploded. Uh, They could not meet their margin requirements, even even though the clearing agencies were waiving margin calls for these people. A margin call is essentially when they call the loan back and they say, okay, this has gone on long enough. You're way too far underwater. You have to cut this shit off. That's a margin call. Mm. And uh, the people who issue those have been letting these guys just continuously build up a larger and larger and larger debt without calling that loan back in. Why would they do that? Mm. Because they're so all interconnected that once the first one goes down, it's going to be like a domino effect. It is. And so they're, even though maybe we're rival banks, right? We're fighting for the same dollars. We're kind of in like, even though, even if I'm a bank and I, if I'm a hedge fund that didn't do anything wrong, I'm still probably going to get hurt because what you did by making these bad risky bets. The thing is, it's like all through the years, it haven't even, it's not even been bad risky bets. It's just been crime that they've gotten away with. So if you want to keep on impressing your investors with your 10, 15% returns, this is just what you do. And then all of a sudden somebody came along and we're like, Hey guys, let me explain to you what these guys are doing right now. If you bet this way, then you're going to stop them. And that's what happened. They just kind of got called out on what they were doing that they've been doing for years. And now they're kind of for the last couple of years, floundering and panicking of, Oh, oh God, like we got caught. What do we do? Oh, just to give you an idea of how big this is. You guys know what Goldman Sachs is, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest banks in the world. Uh, so all of this uh, seller boxing, overshorting, all that abusive naked short selling had been done to this company called Overstock a couple years ago. And uh, that guy had issued this NFT dividend that ended up fucking a lot of the short sellers real bad that he went to court. They had to battle it all out in court. And in the discovery process, this guy had to pay like, uh, I forgot what he said, $10 million or something to, j- to get just this one piece of paper, this one report that indicated how much money 
or how, what percentage of Goldman Sachs annual business was done through share lending, which again, that's when they're lending shares to short sellers. So those guys can sell it into the market. Uh, 78% of Goldman Sachs annual income came from share lending. And so when you start to take this out of the equation, like with GameStop, where we're withdrawing the shares from our brokerages so they cannot rehypothecate, is the, that's what they call it, when they take your brokerage shares and they loan them to a hedge fund. The shares look like they're still in your account, and all of a sudden there's these mysterious extra shares over here that have been shorted into the market. Uh, that's called rehypothecation. Uh, when you remove those shares from the brokerages, they cannot loan them out to short sellers. So when this is happening with the biggest, what I believe one of the biggest stocks out there, which is GameStop, I mean, 28% of Americans are buying what other stocks, maybe Apple and maybe Amazon, a couple others, you know, it's a short list. So there's obviously a tremendous amount of demand for that. And when these banks are counting on 78% of their revenues coming from being able to loan shares, and now all of a sudden that's gone, that's a huge blow to these guys. And they're already operating on not razor thin margins, but, you know, thin enough margins to be competitive, even though they're all in the same boat together. So they don't try to be overly competitive. But, uh, yeah, these guys are really fucked. Even even if they never had to buy back any of the shares that they sold that are fake, even if they didn't have to, they're still incredibly fucked in this situation because Damn. they've just blown it out of the water so big. It's crazy. I got to do some research now. You do. You do. You should. And that's, I don't want you to take anything that I say or Mike says at face value. Uh, just try to remember the shit that's like, why, why is that like that? Whatever's hitting you the most, go look into that. Try to find out why. Uh, the subreddit that I have been getting a lot of this information from, it first started as Wall Street Bets, but very shortly after that, like uh, right after the January 21 thing happened with uh, all the brokers turn off the buy button. Uh, we migrated to a different sub and uh, a different subreddit and we started sharing ideas there and then we migrated again. So the latest one that we're at now, it's called super stonk. And I sent you the link to yeah. all of the due diligence library and there's like 273 different pieces in there. And every single one of them has got some important information that you can go do this research on. Um, but I would also recommend that you just search, uh, search on the SEC's Edgar system. That's how you get the financial reports that, you know, every year, every company is required to file these reports. That's where they file them is with the SEC's Edgar system. Mm -hmm. So you can go look up who owns what company, uh, how much, you know, sales were for this guy, all sorts of different shit. It's kind of clunky and difficult to use, but it's like that for a reason. Uh, but yeah, definitely do your own research. Don't take our word for it alone. Uh, it's out there. It's, it's not that difficult to find. And once you can finally start piecing some of this stuff together, that's when, you know, the lights kind of come on and you're like, oh, holy shit. I have been getting fucked my entire life. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. I appreciate this, man. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to do it again. Yeah, okay. for sure. Thanks, guys, man. Yeah, Absolutely. you guys do some research and uh, we'll talk and you tell and we me. We can talk about like your businesses too. Other yeah, that's fine. That. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go, go, go read into it and then. You guys can come with some questions and, and we'll just be like, 
I don't know, man. Crime. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? it's, it's frustrating, and there are really no no answers. It's the yeah. hardest thing. Is like, well, like, like when does it when does it go to a million dollars? And it's like, well, it, it nobody may, knows. It, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to cause the, this. The to thing happen. is, though, is the fact that like Ryan Cohen and all of the directors in GameStop are such like savvy people that like so it's they're kind of burning the candle at both ends you've got all the pressure from the short selling all that mess that these got into themselves but then at the same time like GameStop has turned themselves around they it's a profitable were, company they, now. they're, they're making money bankrupt again. when all this was first started and then all of a sudden now it has swung the entire opposite direction they've got people on board that are fully committed to like the e-commerce side of things They've got guys that have like good ideas and they're like acting on them. And because it was an activist investor who kind of like took over as chairman, I'm sure they've got people in, in their company who are like planted, if you will. But like the majority of people there legitimately want that company to be super successful and they have the means and the know how to do it. So it's exciting. It's not like some like incompetent people are in charge. Legitimate people are in charge and they've got a backing of at minimum 200,000 people who will do anything that they sell. These people will buy. So if they want to merge with the company, if they want to invest in something else, if they want to start making their own video games, like people are going to support it and it's always going to be supported. So the, future of GameStop is super, super bright, regardless of the short selling stuff. So I almost look at this from a, a two prong effort of yet the whole short selling. And then you've just got the fundamentals of what GameStop is. And the problem is like, because of the short selling, they won't let GameStop be valued on what it is and should be worth right now. And to fight that back they just keep making it worse for themselves, keep mm. making it worse for themselves. That's crazy that little people saved the company. Yeah. Pretty it's much. that, that was real. It was what happened. Uh, I don't know if it was out of nostalgia or what, it was a little bit for me. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I used to like back in the day, uh, taking Friday night, going to blockbuster and seeing whatever video games they have, I could rent and play and take it back in a couple of days. And then blockbuster went away and had to start buying games from GameStop then. And, uh, and now I've started taking my kids there and I'm sharing that experience with them. They love it. Oh my God. Yeah. They go crazy about going to GameStop. And, uh, it's just like a special thing that you get to do with them since it's too expensive to take them to basketball games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could go to GameStop and in, instead of spending five or $600 on all the crap they'd want to buy, I just get them one $60, $70 game or two games or whatever. And I'm still money ahead, but I'm helping the company that I own now. Yeah, so, true. And if they go through like these internet cafe things, like we mentioned earlier, it's the 2023 version of going to the arcade. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart idea. I didn't ever thought about that. I like the social aspect too. Cause mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people realized during the pandemic, how much we miss people. Yeah. Cause I think we're tribal. We need to be around. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. We thrive yeah. on that kind of shit. So that is a really cool idea. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I didn't know that it was. I see the store when I pass on park all the time, but I just thought that that was just the store. I didn't realize they were doing new innovative stuff. Oh, well, yeah. That, so that store is just a store right now. This flagship that they open is just like the 
the kind of first I mean, testing the waters. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. see if this takes off. Let's see, is there like demand for it? Mm-hmm. If so, then like we can start we can start getting that stuff checked out. So, so my theory for what they're gonna be the actions they're gonna take over the next several years, uh, I think they'll buy out a big box retail store. Maybe somebody like Bed Bath and Beyond or Best Buy or something like that. They'll use that much larger store footprint to do these hybrid model stores where they've got the gaming cafe on one side of the store and then the actual store over here and then a bar or whatever else. But they'll have the square footage to do that. They couldn't do that with their current stores now. Mm. But what that will do is free up all their current stores now, which are smaller uh, mall based kind of retail stores. They'll start using that as a decentralized distribution network. So instead of having one, two, maybe three large distribution centers sporadically throughout the United States, every single store becomes part of this decentralized distribution Mm. network. And this plays in really well with their NFT marketplace, especially if we're able to buy and sell goods ourselves as individuals. Uh, Now, this is in the future. This isn't like right around the corner. But if GameStop were to allow us to sell anything we wanted to on their marketplace, and some dude bought it halfway across the country. You could just take it down to your local GameStop store for them to ship it mm. because it's a it's a distribution center. It's not just a store. Uh, so I think that's what's coming with uh, moving into the larger model of stores and what they'll do with the old ones. Kind of like a UPS store. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like that. Or, you know, any issues that you would have with your e-commerce orders or whatever, or even if they wanted to get into drone delivery. I know it's kind of a hot button issue, apparently, with some people, but uh, I would wager to say a large majority of GameStop's customers live within a two or three mile radius of a GameStop store. I mean, they're everywhere. GameStop mm. had yeah, there like really 4,300 stores as of the end of last year. Uh, so it wouldn't be all that complicated to do drone deliveries since so many of their customers live so close to them. So Damn. don't know what's coming, but. I kind of feel like it'll head that direction. I like it, man. Yeah. It's very interesting. And that's awesome. Y'all got to see big numbers in your fucking accounts, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. I mean, because like a lot of people will never see no, that kind of money. Right? And, and you never think about, well, what would I do with this money if I had it? Because it's always a pie in the sky kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when you log into your brokerage account and it's like, bam, two commas. Wow, what's that? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You start to think about awesome. how this shit starts to work. And, and that really helped me understand the big picture of this whole thing because I had never even thought about it before. Never even thought about what having money was like. Yeah. But then once... I actually had some in my account. I was able to kind of, okay, well, if I was going to do that, then I would do this. And then I would want that to work like this. And so the whole thing just kind of started becoming more clear, I guess, for me. And I think it's also a beautiful part of your story, too, because it came from a dark place. Yes. That took you to some heights. Yes. Uh, I was in depression. I actually had uh, two life-destroying drug addictions prior to that. And so I was kind of in rehab, kind of in this depression, weird area of my life, you know, wasn't really doing anything. And then all of a sudden this message comes along that's like, Hey, if you want to try investing there, here's this company that's really going to do some good shit. And I was like, fuck it. I'll try it. Wow. And it paid off. Hell yeah. Big that's time. awesome. Yeah. I definitely want to hear you both back on. Yeah. No problem. 
<laughs> Mike's like, no problem, I got you. <laughs> I mean, like the, the the main issue is just that, like, until something happens, like it's all speculation, man. Like, yeah, I can. I truly believe that, like, hey, man. But I like, I'm down on my money, and have been pretty much since day one. Yeah, and you but, have been, and so it's like. I didn't catch that wave like we got of euphoria of like, oh, look what I could possibly have. Yeah. So I'm coming at it from a, a different perspective of yeah. like, man, you know. Yeah, this might be a thing. This is baloney. Yeah. But the more I read into it, the more willing I am. Like, man, dude, if I go, if it goes all the way down <clears> to like, I only have one dollar left, I'm keeping it, man. I'm yeah. not going anywhere with it because the potential for this thing to explode. And I, man, I tell all my friends and, you know, like I don't have a lot of people that I know that just have like crazy money. So everybody is like, Hey, you know, like we got to watch where we put our money. But like, dude, you just take a hundred dollars that you're going to like the, the $17 football. Like, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't buy that one time. Right. Go buy yourself four or five shares of GameStop, directly register them in your name and maybe do that like two or three times over the course of a year mm-hmm. and it'll build up to something. And like every little bit counts because the other part of it is the faster we can get this locked up to 100 percent, the faster we'll find out what happens. Yeah, we're already we, and the, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's already like a good portion of the way. We there. have 25 percent of the total company outstanding shares registered in our name. Oh, wow. 25 percent of the entire company. So the, the cheaper the price goes, the faster that all happens. The more people that buy little bits here and there, the faster that happens. And maybe nothing happens once it gets to 100% other than everybody's like, oh, cool story, bro. Yeah. Don't care. And we all just kick rocks and hang our head down because, well, we tried. Or maybe we all decide, oh, enough is enough, right? Like we're not going to have this system anymore. You weren't willing to like relinquish control, so we're gonna take it. Yeah, no. they could have ended this whole thing back in January twenty one by letting it go to a thousand dollars. They could have ended the whole thing because everybody would have sold it a thousand. Yeah. yeah, but they couldn't, whether out of pride or hubris or whatever it was. They, they just, just could. They just opened or the eyes of everyone. Like I didn't know about the stuff. He didn't know. About I didn't stuff. either. No I, one, no one would have done any research into this shit if they would have let that happen. Then they'd have been able to keep on crime it. Yeah. And, but now that so many eyes about are on it, there's so much internet sleuthing being done by like smart people. Mm-hmm. There are stupid people who are doing stuff too. Yes. Like, and there are always people who are like, they call them shills, like pay yeah, to if like you are gonna throw go out get misinformation. Oh, there's okay. a lot of that going on. So like, if you do get on the Reddit, yes. I don't get on there too much anymore, just because it's like half of what you read. Like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, read the important stuff that has been like peer reviewed. Yeah. And then go out and and take some of the comments that are on these pages and think for yourself. And hey, is this guy trying to direct you in in one direction or the other? The big question you have to ask yourself is why would somebody want me to think this way? Because mm. mm. there are definitely paid actors posting things on there. Yeah, but then like back that up against like real world situations that you know to have already happened, documentation that by law is required to be turned in for companies and like read through these reports. Now they're hard to read through. Like you probably won't understand what most of what goes on, but there are people out there that are like, Hey guys, I just read through this. I do this for a living. And these lines right here are what are important. Yeah. That's- and this is the, the, the long and short of the story is 
this is where this company is at, and here's what they said. And they said that they made however many billion dollars, but on their report it shows $65 billion of security sold, not yet purchased, Mm. which means I sold you something that I don't own. That's and so I did crazy. that for $65 billion worth. <laughs> yeah. And then I go, I go to my investors and brag about how well our company's doing. <laughs> right. All these people are just throwing money at me. Yeah. It's yeah crazy. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And like, will they ever <clears throat> purchase that $65 billion worth of stuff? Their hope is no. Mm. They'll just keep on pushing that, keep on pushing that, failing to deliver, failing to deliver until the end of time, until somebody makes them mm. wow sucks that is so crazy yeah. yeah but you never get what do they say the risk is worth the reward like sometimes you have to do something crazy to get something great exactly that's exactly right you know yeah you don't want to be the type of person that wished and never took a risk yeah don't live with the that's regret. a lot of people man there's a lot of people they they will never try because they have a fear and like you said don't market. don't Take something you can't afford to lose. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that's probably the biggest thing. Like if you yes. can't afford to lose it, don't do it. Well, all those exactly people right. that did that with uh, like the crypto, you know, they were buying, they're putting all their life savings into it and yes. they crashed and mm-hmm. they homeless and shit. You know, that's really sad to see. But Absolutely. a lot of people did that though. Yeah. Yes. And that's happened with GameStop too. I'm sure yeah. there's a bunch of people out there that tried to catch the big squeeze mm-hmm. or if you follow the community and read the information enough, you grow to learn that this big, massive infinity squeeze could happen literally any day. So the entire past two and a half years, any day you could have woken up and the price could have been $100,000 or whatever. It would happen overnight. They could do it any day. Um, and so a lot of people, I'm sure, borrowed money. I borrowed money and put it in. Yeah. I did it through my business, so it's not it doesn't impact my personal life quite as much because I'm able to pay it back through my business Yeah, because uh, it's a line of credit. But uh, uh, it's it's made things a little bit more difficult, but it's not life-changing or anything like that. Uh, but for other people, it has been. And they have fallen flat on their face waiting mm-hmm. for this big squeeze to happen that just has not come to fruition. And this is why the management of the company doesn't speak. They don't want anybody to take what they're saying and misconstrue it to tell people that this is definitely happening by this definite date and it doesn't. This is a slow burn. These guys are doing it the right way, making this company successful. They are putting the pieces together the long, hard way. And there is not going to be any sudden payout until maybe one day there is. Mm. Yeah, But you should not borrow money and wait for it. Even though that's kind of hypocritical of me, because it's exactly <laughs> what I did. Don't be a dumbass like me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely don't put more in there than you can can stand. And that's yeah. what I tell people is like, look, man, if you got extra three hundred bucks, five thousand bucks, whatever it is, and you want to put it in something, because right now nothing is like there, there's talking about another recession within the next several months. Commercial real estate is about to implode. All these things that or doom and gloom and that you read through every article that you ever get to. Yeah. So like, where do you put your money? Do you put your money in crypto? Well, like this time a year ago, it was like 70 something thousand dollars. And then the next thing, you know, like the whole FTX thing, I don't know if you guys kept up with that. That's all kind of part of it. They were selling these tokenized shares of GME that weren't backed by anything. Like the, the company never came out and said, no, those are legitimate shares that we gave the FTX to sell. It's like, no. So there was another just layer of 
these are just made up things that we're selling to people. They're synthetics. Yeah. And now people, but people still own that. So who's on the hook to pay for it? Well, who did FTX borrow the money to get that token from? But it's not a real share. And so you've got that happening with 10, 12, 15, 30 different brokerages. And it just gets to the point where it's like, it's so out of hand, you can't fix it without destroying everything. Yeah. That or the government or, or somebody, the world leaders step in and say, hey, we're bailing you guys out. Regardless of what the people want, everybody's getting $1,000 per share, $100 per share. We're doubling your money that you initially invested, $10,000 a share, whatever. And then that's the end of it. And then people, some people will be very happy about that. And they'll be like, oh, I'm richer than I've ever been. No, no, the government's not. They can't But other people, they can't until they do. Like, they also can't, like, infect people with... Syphilis, <laughs> but they did. But, but they, they did. did. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you know, well, you're much better protected against that kind of shit with your shares in your own name than you would be with them in a broker, because the brokers will be the first ones that they come after because those aren't even real shares. Absolutely. But and if our government did come out and do something like that, they would become the laughing stock of the entire world economy. Well, we would riot. I would and think we, we would probably. I don't know. Maybe riot. we wouldn't. And that's why I say like everybody's so busy like keeping up with the Kardashians. If like go back to that number I said ten percent of our federal like our national debt would if you divvied that up between each share it would be about ten thousand dollars a share. Most people are going to be like, all right, that's a nice consolation prize, especially if you've got you know a hundred shares, it's a million or a million dollars. Those people were never going to have a million dollars in any other way other than that right there. So yeah. those people are probably going to be very happy. The issue becomes is like, well, you printed a whole bunch of money. So now that million dollars is not really worth the million that you think it is. And then everybody who's not being paid for the shares of GameStop, instead of eggs being $9 a dozen, now they're $11 a dozen. Yeah. And it just makes it that much worse. So, like, that's not the solution that they want. And nobody's in trouble for it. So the government, or basically the people, have bailed out the wealthiest people in the world when it's like, no, bail yourself out, man. Yeah. Yeah. And which is at that point, everybody would have to ask themselves, like, are you okay with that as a person? Mm -hmm. Are you cool that your tax money is now going to pay off off shitty bet, a a bad situation for this multi-billionaire? So that way he doesn't have to lose his fourth yacht. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, don't put it past them. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right, watching a couple of years if it takes that long. <laughs> here we come. Fuck. Man. Hopefully it doesn't get to that. Hopefully, like they step up. By then, the company will have become much more profitable than it is now. the The last earnings report they did, they reported sixteen cents per share in earnings, uh, which was a stellar amount. Everybody. Nobody thought they would even turn a profit at all, much less, you know, 16 cents. That's more than, you know, a lot of other S&P 500 companies are doing, uh, even though they've got way more shares, all the math, whatever. Um, the company is going to continue to be profitable. They have turned it around. When you chart their earnings in Excel, it is starting to look like a U. And oh, so okay. as long as they continue to put out positive earnings, they're going to continue to grow. Uh, and the stock price will at some point have to reflect that. 
These not every firm on Wall Street is bad. A lot of them are, but there are some that are not bad. There are some big investors that are not bad. And at some point, somebody is going to want to purchase this criminally undervalued share on a large scale. Uh, and that could be a catalyst that kicks the whole thing off. Uh, there are any number of different things that could be a catalyst for this. But uh, the company is going to continue to grow and is going to continue reporting positive earnings. And uh, that's going to be bad for short sellers mm. that are betting on the price to go down. Yeah, and you can say that with confidence because, like I said, they've because of all this, they've built this cult following of like, I mean, I can go on Microsoft and buy an Xbox game or the PlayStation Network and buy an Xbox game. But I'm going to go out of my way specifically to go to GameStop, whether I want it digital or a hard copy of it, and buy it from GameStop just because I want to support GameStop. And I'm not the only person that does that. Like, he's wearing a GameStop T-shirt. Who needs needs more (laughs) T-shirts? Nobody needs more T-shirts. I got like five of these bitches. But he's got the T-shirt because he wants to support the company. And they're, they're like a huge group of people. They're like, man... Whatever you do, I'll buy it from you. These and guys, as they add more products, like they have TVs and stuff, like and it, oh, go shit. price okay. match. Like go check Amazon and then go check GameStop. GameStop's going to have what you want if they carry that item for cheaper than what you can find it on my, uh, Amazon. Hmm. So okay, number one, not only am I supporting my company, I probably would have paid a little more just to get it through GameStop because I want to support them. But it's also cheaper. It's a better value. For me to buy it through there, of course I'm going to do that. And so that's the direction that they've been doing for the last several years. I think, and they said that the earnings per share was up quite a bit. I think fourth quarter in 2021 compared to fourth quarter in 2022 was like a $190 million swing. They lost like 140 some odd million dollars fourth quarter of 21, and they made like $45 million in profit in fourth quarter of 2022. So it's like a $190 million swing. That's the type of people that we've got in charge now. And that's where I'm putting my faith into. Yeah. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. Guys? Right. Uh, I was saying damn to what they said, not my cough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, I'll definitely do some reading and stuff. And uh, I'll text you. A little yeah, hit me up with yeah. any questions. Got you. For sure. Yeah, I appreciate you giving us your Sunday. Definitely. Yeah. Both of you. Man, I'm glad to come talk about GameStop. Nobody ever wants to talk about GameStop. I love it. <laughs> I do, too. I've always loved GameStop, man. Me, too. I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I can't, I'm i reserved about talking to it about people because most of your very, like, especially the old heads that, like, oh, I came up through the 70s and 80s, and this is the way it was done, and I trust my government and my regulatory bodies. They're not thinking that people are against them. Mm. It's like... It's kind of awkward to talk to those people about it. So I usually just like, hey, man, if you approach me about it and you want to know, I'll talk to you about it. Otherwise, I'm kind of keeping my mouth shut. But it's not the best way to be because, like, the idea is for the more people that know, the more exposed yeah. all of these people become. And then something, there's more pressure put on your your leaders of America that, hey, you guys have to enact some kind of a law to do something about this. So I'm not a good I don't do in my personal life what I should be doing, talking to people about it, just because it is kind of awkward and you do sound crazy. And if you guys don't go and research, you'll think we're crazy. But then when you go and research, you're, you're going to see, and then you're going to get pissed about it. And you're going to be like, damn, now I'm upset. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a lot of keywords I got to look up now. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. All right, guys. All right, appreciate appreciate you guys. Yeah, man.